This is Thursday, and it is August the 24th, and we are here on Fan for Racing Radio for our Daytona 2 NASCAR Weekend Preview and Hot Topic Sound Off. Joining me for today's show is our co-host, and that is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, I know we haven't gotten to hot topics yet, but I got a hot one and a question. Where did August go? You said August 24th. We are almost done with August already. It's amazing, isn't it? Got by me just like that. Yes, it did, all of us. Okay, we've got a lot to cover here today, but uh, in our first half hour, we are going to cover the short track races that are upcoming And then we'll preview the Arkham Menard Series and the Arca East Series race that's at the Milwaukee Mile this weekend. Two series, one race, and uh, points for both of those series. So afterward, we will give you a very brief uh, Arca West update so you know when the next race is there. And our next hour, we have three races to preview for the NASCAR uh, Series, Top Series, starting with the NASCAR Truck Series race at the Milwaukee Mile. Afterward, we'll preview the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Daytona International Speedway. And believe it or not, it is the NASCAR Cup Series season finale taking place this weekend at Daytona International Speedway. This race will determine who will be the 16 drivers that will contend for the championship uh, heading into Phoenix at November So uh, then, of course, you want to stay tuned for our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with our Fan for Racing crew, and we do have Andy Lasky joining us today for that. So, Jay, it's going to be quite a day. Well, and quite a day and quite a weekend when we talk about the Cup Series finale. Again, the season, 26 races or 25 so far, already done and in the books. We're looking to set the final field for these final 10 races. Uh, it just seems like we were talking about Daytona, as in the Daytona 500. Yep, indeed, indeed. Okay, now um, let's go ahead and start with our dirt and short track uh, races that are coming up. Uh, I know the first uh, is today. We have both dirt and short track racing coming up here. All right. Uh, looks like the top of the list. We got the short tracks. You want me to cover those or do dirt? Um. Yeah. Go ahead and start with the dirt. All right. Uh, starting with the dirt, then the World Outlaw Sprint Cars. They're at Red River Valley Speedway at seven. They'll be on uh, Dirt Vision at seven fifteen p.m. As well as the World Outlaw Late Models, but they'll be coming from Davenport Speedway. They'll be covered at 6 p.m. on Dirt Vision. The USAC Sprint Car Smackdown, that'll be Kokomo Speedway. Flow Racing is going to cover that at 6.05 p.m. The Tizos All-Star Circuit of Champions comes from Butler Motor Speedway. That's 6 p.m. on Flow Racing. Then a couple of weekly racing, Millbridge Speedway, that'll be at 5.30 p.m. on Dirt Vision. Flow Racing's covering Bridgeport Speedway at 6 p.m. The Land of Legends Raceway, that'll be at 6.15 p.m. on Dirt Vision. And Sharon Speedway, that'll be at 6.30 p.m. also on Dirt Vision. Going back over to Flow Racing. Hey, you totally Bike. lost. Where, where 
are you? Are you on the 26th? Yeah, 26th uh, dirt track. I thought we would start with the 24th. Oh, I see that now at the bottom. I'm sorry, I I did. I started with the 26th. My bad. Okay. All right, the 24th. I got excited. I got a little ahead. Uh, The 24th. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, World Outlaw Late Models there, Davenport Speedway, 6 p.m. That'll be on Dirt Vision. The USAC Sprint Car Smackdown, a couple of them are three-day shows. This starts at Kokomo Speedway, 6.05 p.m. on Flow Racing. And then the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series starting at Georgetown Speedway, 6.20 p.m. Uh, on Flow Racing. And then uh, the one for tonight covering a short, track, short tracks, weekly racing, uh, Thunder Road Speedway, or speed bowl, sorry, at 7 p.m. on Flow Racing. Okay. Now we'll move on to the 25th. Uh, let me make sure I get the right one here. <laughs> okay, and we'll start with the dirt racing there. Uh, there's the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars at River City Speedway at 7.15 p.m. on Dirt Vision. Uh, We also have the World of Laws Late Models at Davenport Speedway at 6 p.m., also on Dirt Vision. On Flow Racing, here's a couple. The USAC Sprint Car Smackdown at Kokomo, 6.05 p.m. The Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions at Tri-City Motor Speedway, 6.30 p.m. on Flow Racing, as is the Empire Super Sprints at the Autodome Granby at 6.30 p.m. Uh, back to Dirt Vision, we've got the weekly series uh, at uh, Attica Raceway Park at 6.30 p.m. There's also the weekly racing at Williams Grove Speedway at 6.45 p.m. on Dirt Vision. And then moving over to Flow Racing, we have the weekly racing at Utica Rome Speedway, 6.45 p.m. 7 p.m. is the Rumble by the River at Port Royal Speedway, 7.55 uh, weekly racing over at Marshalltown Speedway. And at 8 p.m., it's Port City Raceway for the weekly points race. And 8.30 p.m., New Tulsa Speedway will have their weekly racing, as will the weekly racing at the Silver Dollar Speedway at 8.30 p.m. All of those are on Flow Racing. For short tracks, we have uh, on Flow Racing, the weekly racing over at Stap. Stafford Motor Speedway at 5.45 p.m. Next, we want to go to August the 26th. We'll start with the dirt. Yeah, and that, all right, and that's where I was. I'll kind of recap them real quick. Again, several more part two of a couple-day shows. The World Outlaw Sprint Cars, Red River Valley Speedway. Dirt Vision's got that at 7.15 p.m. At 6 p.m., the World Outlaws Late Models are at Davenport Speedway. That's also on Dirt Vision. Flow Racing, they're covering the USAC Sprint Car Smackdown at Kokomo Speedway at 6.05. At 6 p.m., the Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions from Butler Motor Speedway. For weekly racing covered on Dirt Vision, you got Millbridge Speedway at 5.30 p.m. Weekly racing from Bridgeport Speedway will be at 6 p.m. on Flow Racing. Then back to Dirt Vision, you got the weekly racing from Land of Legends Raceway. And they'll also have weekly racing from Sharon Speedway at 6.30 p.m. Flow Racing will cover the Rumble by the River from Port Royal Speedway at 7 p.m. And at 7.15 p.m., you got the IRA Sprints 
at the Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55. And then 7.45, there you got weekly racing from Knoxville Raceway on Dirt Vision at 7.45 p.m. All the way up. And then 8 o'clock, if you're still up, Flow Racing's got the weekly points race from Port City Raceway. Moving over to the short tracks for August the 26th, you've got the Cars Tour at Wake County Speedway at 4.15 p.m. That'll be on Flow Racing, as will the 7 o'clock NASCAR Whelan Modified Tour over at Langley Speedway. Also on Flow Racing, a couple, all of these actually are on Flow Racing. Uh, NASCAR Weekly Racing over at Riverhead Speed Raceway at 5 p.m. 5.50, it's the NASCAR Weekly Racing at Jennerstown Speedway at Berlin Raceway. That starts at 6 p.m. for the NASCAR Weekly Touring Series. 7 p.m. at Langley Speedway and 7 p.m. over at Hickory Motor Speedway, NASCAR Weekly Racing Series, all on Flow Racing. And now we move over to August 27th. Jay, are you there? Not sure what happened to Jay. Okay, I'll go ahead and cut this. Oh, uh, my beat button. button was sticking. Yeah, oh, uh, okay. on the Sunday, the 27th, you can still catch a little bit of racing there on these platforms. Dirt Vision has weekly racing from Husset Speedway at 7.30 p.m. And at 6.05 p.m. on Flow Racing is the USAC Silver Crown coming from Worldwide Technology Raceway. Okay. Uh, that's all the racing that uh, fans can look forward to. Um, there's, there's a whole lot more, but you can go over to Racing America, uh, Flow Racing, uh, Short Track Scene, Dirt Vision. All of those uh, locations will give you racing. One of the big ones that are taking place this weekend, and uh, I think Sal's going to be there, is the SRL Southwest Tour, the National Touring Series. Um, well, I don't know if he's going to be, no, he's not going to be at Lebanon, but I think he's going to be at Stockton. Uh, but on August 24th, the SRL National Salute to the 75, it's a tribute to Larry Phillips' twin 75s, uh, 7,500 to win each twin at Lebanon I-44 Speedway. And on September 2nd, the Spears Southwest Tour JM Environmental Wild West Shootout, $10,000 to win, plus the Prolate model Labor Day 100, printed by Marcellus Drilling, again, $10,000 to win, all that taking place at Stockton 99 Speedway. So a lot to look forward to in the SRL side of things as well. And they have their own TV network as well, so you can watch a lot of these races on SRL TV. Um, okay, now then, if we go, let's go over to Racing America and see uh, if there's anything that uh, we want to make sure that people are prepared for for the weekend. One thing I see is the Gabe Brown article here. There were some several good or several good articles there on Racing America. You're right; they got one up on Gabe Brown. Uh, there's also the history of the Glass, Glass City 200, which is the second part of a series, the Outlaw Super Late Model years. So there's always great info to check out on Racing America. 
Yes, there is. And also on Flow Racing, uh, some great headlines there, too. Um, this weekend, and we give our thoughts and prayers to the family, uh, the racing community is mourning the loss of Tony Stewart Racing's Ashlea Albertson. Uh, I guess uh, she was in an accident this uh, past week and uh, has succumbed to those injuries. So our thoughts and prayers again go out to that family. Most certainly. I know it's been a tough week. Uh, Tony's talked a little bit about her as a driver and a lot of other tributes. Uh, Up-and-coming driver, and they said just a great person to be around, so very unfortunate for that situation. Mm-hmm. Any other articles you see there? On Racing America, uh, Matt Shepard going to make his Lucas. Flow Racing. Flow ra- We're over at Flow oh, Racing. Sorry. Yeah, I am. I am on Flow Racing. I, I said Racing America, but I am on Flow Racing. Uh, it's got the oh. article from a day ago of Matt Shepard making his Lucas Oil Series debut uh, coming up. Oh, very cool. I'm going to move over to short track scene uh, from pole to podium. Only, only in a tumultuous topsy turvy 23 season could the Spring Green follow. Uh, the Midsummer Classic, where they're talking about the American Canadian Tour, uh, and uh, Paul Warsick. I hope Paul Warsick. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I don't know. Um, anyway, he won that race, and Joey Paul Warsick. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to do my best there. Uh, but, yeah, congratulations to him on a uh, win. Uh, and that article is up at Short Track Scene. And right under that, they got a pair of other ones. Uh, you mentioned Gabe Summers with a breakthrough win for his first MWT win at 23, as well as Landon Huffman claiming that 30000 with his first Cars Tour win. Yeah, the one that Gabe Summers won is the ARCA Midwest Tour. So uh, that's that's a very cool to see both of those wins. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and move on now. We're going to move on to the Arca Menard Series. They have uh, a combined race this weekend with the Arca Menard Series as well as the Arca East, and that race is a Specker 150. I'm excited about this one. It's at the Milwaukee Mile in West Ellis, Wisconsin. This Sunday, an unusual day for the Arkham Menard Series. The race is August the 27th at 1 p.m., 12 noon Central. It will be carried live on Fox Sports 1 at 1 p.m., 12 noon Central. They will be racing 150 laps to cover 150 miles. So that tells us it's a one-mile track. <laughs> and the Speckler, Spreckler Sprecker. Uh, 150 will be... I'm sorry, there's no L in there. Specker 150 will be the 15th race of the 20 for the Arkham Menards Series here in 2023, and it's the seventh race of eight for the Arkham Menards Series East. Now, the race will pay full championship points to both series. Now, Jesse Love enters the Specker 150, uh, a 114-point lead in the Arkham Menards Series championship standings, and that's over second-place driver Andres Perez. Hollywood actor-turned-race-car driver Frankie Munez is third, just eight points out of second. 
On the east side, William Sawich holds a eight-point lead over Luke Fenhouse in that battle for the East Series championship. That one's a little bit closer. It certainly is. Jesse, here's the reason why it's such a spread in the uh, Arkham Menard Series. Jesse Love has won eight of 14 Arkham Menard Series races that have been held so far this season. His wins at Talladega Super Speedway, Kansas Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Elko Speedway, Pocono Raceway, Michigan International Speedway, Lucas Oil, Indianapolis Raceway Park, and Watkins Glen International. That's why he has such a substantial lead over everybody else. And it's a record-setting, possible record-setting season as well, as Love's eight wins in 14 starts puts him on pace with the 2021 ARCA Menard Series champion Ty Gibbs, who also won eight of the first 14 events. And that was during his championship season as well. Jack Bowser holds the all-time record for the most wins in the Arkham Art Series season. He had 20 set in 1965. Tim Steele, he holds the modern era record post-1979 for wins in a single season with 12, and that was set in 1997. So it could be de- very definitely be a record-breaking season for Jesse Love. Yeah, that's the one I think you're going to have to keep an eye on. Now, on the go to the East Series, Salwich and Fenhouse each have scored one win, a win apiece in the Arkham Menard Series East. Salwich at Berlin Raceway and then Fenhouse at Iowa Speedway each have two wins in the Arkham Menard Series East, where Salwich was win, uh, one at uh, Five Flags Speedway and Flat Rock Speedway, where Fenhouse uh, won at Nashville Fairgrounds and then at Iowa. Now, the Sprecher 150 will be the 12th Arkham Menard Series race held at the Milwaukee Mile. The first was ran there in 1958 and won by Hall of Famer Fred Lorenzen. Other winners at the Milwaukee Mile include Tony Bettenhausen in 59 and 60, Roger Ward in 59, Lorenzen again in 59, Dean Roper in 82, Dave Waltmeyer in 83, Frank Kimmel won there in 2005 and 7, Bill Bazell in 2006, Ty Gibbs in 21, and Sammy Smith in 22. Ms. Sprecher 150, that'll be the third race for the Arkham Menard Series East at the Milwaukee, with previous races in 2021 and 22 held in combination with the Arkham Menard Series. Your winners were Ty Gibbs in 2021 and Sammy Smith in 2022. Ty Gibbs, he holds the Arkham Art Series platform qualifying record at the Milwaukee Mile. That was set in 21 at 29.354 seconds. That's 122.641 miles per hour. And he also, Gibbs also holds the Arkham Art Series platform race record for the 150-mile event at the Milwaukee Mile. That was also set there in 21, and that was at 100. A 100.615 miles per hour race was one hour and 27 minutes and 27 seconds. 
the record for the most lead changes on a 150-mile Arkham and Art Series race at the Milwaukee Mile is eight. That was set in 2005 when Frank Kimmel won. The fewest is zero, set in 21 when Ty Gibbs led every lap on his way to victory lane. And the record for the most cautions in a 150-lap race at the Milwaukee Mile is seven. That was for 54 laps set back in 2005. The fewest cautions in a 150-lap race at the Milwaukee Mile is three for 14 laps, and that was in that 2021 race. Okay. Uh, Should the race need to be extended into overtime, there will be unlimited attempts at a two-lap green-white checkered finish. Now, should the caution flag be displayed after the white flag is shown, there will be an unlimited attempts at a one-lap green-white together finish. So uh, pretty cool there. And you mentioned it. Can't wait. Uh, as we see it, it's another combination event. Uh, really coming down to it for the East Series with only two races left. Whereas the Arkham Menard Series, they got five races left. Uh, they really got to try and do something with Jesse Love here in a hurry. Yes, they do. Uh, Jesse Love has been dominant this season, uh, without a doubt. Um, and uh, there is a lot here. Let's uh, look at the entry list uh, for Sunday's race at the Milwaukee Mile. Um, there's quite a few drivers on this list. And uh, let me see here. Let's go from the bottom up, Jay. All right. I will start with the number 06. That'll be A.J. Moyer out of Tampa, Florida, in the Choo Choo Lawn Equipment Incorporated Toyota, owned by Wayne Peterson. Going to be crew chief by Nate Moeller. In the number Z, <laughs> number Z, in the number three, Alex Club from Morris, Illinois, will be driving being the club board with Brian Club on top of the pit box. And coming out of Sharon's hometown area, Northern Aurora, Illinois, is the 01 of Dallas Frew in the UTI Fast Track Racing Toyota of Hillenburg, and Nathan Davis calling the shots. Now it will be Alex Malicki on top of the pit box for the Dale Shearer, uh, driven and owned number 98 from, from Alhambra, Illinois, and they'll have sheer speed on top of, on the side of their Toyota. Here's an interesting one who's in town anyway. The number 97 is going to be by driven by Fairhope, Alabama's Grant Enfinger. Got the Grant County mulch on the side of that Chevrolet. It's a Robaw, Cody Robaw machine with Todd Myers going to be calling the shots. Jeff Smith will be on top of the pit box uh, for the Bill Kimmel-owned number 69. Uh, it's going to be Brad Smith behind the wheel of that uh, 69 Ford, and he hails from Shelby Township, Michigan. Capriya.com will be on the side of his uh, machine this week. Regular driver in the number 66 is John Garrett out of Athens, Texas. Got MonsterTrucks.Fun with him as a sponsor on the Chevrolet by Dustin Hillenberg and Mike Truth, as always, with him. 
Okay. Uh, and the Venturini owned number 55. It'll be Gustine behind the uh, wheel. He hails from Bluffton, South Carolina. He'll have CAB installers on the side of his Toyota and Manan Raman on top of his pit box. And here's the number 48, Brad Smith's own Chevrolet, this weekend driven by Rick Redding-Tackman out of Waukesha, Wisconsin. And he's going to be sponsor, uh, sorry, crew chief by Rick Tackman Jr. with Oktoberfest Race Weekend as a sponsorship. Okay, and one of the best-looking cars uh, anywhere uh, is the West Virginia Department of Tourism Ford, uh, owned by Kevin Sawinski, and Christian Rose will be behind the wheel of that number 32 machine. He hails from Martinsburg, West Virginia, and Ryan London will be on top of his pit box. Next up, we got another Alabama team out of McCullough, Alabama, it's the Tim Goulet Chevrolet with Rita doing the driving duties in that number 31, carrying recognition for the nationalpolice.org. And Frankie Munoz will be behind the wheel of the number 30. He hails from Scottsdale, Arizona, with Ford Performance on the side of his Ford and Mark Rett of Rett Jones Racing on top of his pit box. The Mark Webb number 28 Chevrolet is one of the championship contenders with Luke Fenhouse out of Owasu, Wisconsin, with Chevrolet Performance on board. Shane Huffman trying to lead him to that championship. It's going to be Caden Lapovich on top of the Venturini-owned Toyota. The number 25 will be driven by Connor Jones from Fredericksburg, Virginia, and he'll have Jones Utility on the side of his car. For the main Arkham Menard series, here you got your championship leader, the number 20, a Jesse Love. Love comes out of Redwood City, California, for that Venturini Toyota JBL machine. Shannon Roosh, the one that's leading that crew. Matt Ross will be on top of the pit box for the Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, number 18, driven by William Sawalich out of Eden Prairie, Minnesota. He'll have Starkey Sound Gear as his sponsor. We're going to talk a lot more about this one. Uh, Sean Hingarani in the number 15 Billy Venturini Toyota comes out of Newport, Newport Beach, California with Gear Wrench sponsorship. And as always, he's got Kevin Reed Jr. with him. Tim Monroe will be the crew chief and driver for the Hillenburg Ford, number 12. Tim hails from Elmwood, Illinois. He'll have UTI, or Universal Technical Institute, on the side of his car. I guess you know you're into, into racing if you come from Speedway, Indiana, as Zachary <laughs> Tinkle does, driving the number 11 Hillenburg Toyota. Todd Parrott going to crew chief for the Racing for Rescues Fast Track Racing.com machine. Ron Vandermeer Sr. will be on top of the pit box in the, the Hillenburg Ford number 10, but it will be Ron Vandermeer Jr. behind the wheel. They hail from Sheridan, Illinois, and will have MacRack Repair as their sponsor. Another one that comes from the racing family is LeVar Scott. He's going to be in the number six Max Siegel-sponsored and owned Chevrolet. Comes from Carney's Point, New Jersey. And got Jay Lupo helping him out. 
Jamie Jones will be on top of the other Max Siegel entry. The number two, uh, driven by Andres Perez de Lara from Mexico City, Mexico, in that Chevrolet. And covering all points uh, of the country as well as continent, we got Jake Finch coming out of Lynn Haven, Florida, with James Finch Machine, which brings along the Phoenix Construction sponsorship for that Toyota. John Allen, the one calling the shots there. Okay. Again, as always, there's some great articles over at ARCAracing.com. Uh, there's one here uh, covering so Wallach and Fenhouse uh, in the uh, East Series uh, battle for the championship. Now, uh, the next race for the ARCA West Series will take place in September. That's September 30th at 10.45 p.m. Eastern Time out at All-American Speedway, and that will be the Napa Auto Care 150. So uh, we've got a, a little bit of a wait there for the ARCA West, but they have a pretty good championship battle going on as well. Uh, keep in mind, there are tickets still available for Sunday's ARCA Menard Series, ARCA East Series Combination Race, and uh, you can still claim seats for that race uh, this weekend if uh, they have a, a link over at ARCAracing.com if you'd like to attend that website. Oh, that that race. And while you're there, you can check out some recaps of the uh, Arkham and Menard Series uh, Springfield Dirt Race. Brent Cruz dominated that one. And then Sean Hingarani dominated out at Washington's Evergreen Speedway, as well as the Reese's Sweet Move of the Race. I always like to check those out. Yes, indeed. Those are always fun to watch. Okay, we're at the top of the hour. That means it's time for us to move on now to our uh, uh, preview of the races that are taking place this weekend in NASCAR's top three series. We're going to start with the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. They'll be racing the Clean Harbors 175 out at the Milwaukee Mile this Sunday, August the 27th. So it's a doubleheader out there on Sunday. <clears throat> this race will start at 4 p.m. Eastern. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 at 3 p.m. Eastern, and radio coverage is available on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. They'll be racing a distance of 177.625 miles over 175 laps. The first stage ends on lap 55, also 55 laps. The second stage will end on 110, lap 110. And the final uh, uh, stage is 65 laps and will end on lap 175. Well, and for that race, we definitely got a unique Grand Marshal, Olympic speed skater Bonnie Blair to be the Grand Marshal there at Milwaukee a five-time Olympic gold medalist and Wisconsin native, Bonnie Blair will serve as Grand Marshal, give that command to start engines in the return of the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series to the Milwaukee Mile Speedway. Blair is one of the most decorated female U.S. Winter Olympic Olympians of all time. She's a member of the Wisconsin Hall of Fame and U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame. In her amazing career, Blair has earned gold medals in three straight Olympics and a total of five gold medals and one bronze medal in the 500-meter and the 1,000-meter competition 
in the 1988, 92, and 94 Winter Olympics. She's also the 1986 Short Track Skating World Champion. Pretty pretty cool to see Bonnie Blair out there this weekend. Now, Sean Hingarani is going to make an attempt in the NASCAR Truck Series with his debut at the Milwaukee Mile. He's a rising Arkham Menard Series West star. Hingarani hopes to make his debut in the Truck Series this weekend in Bruce City, piloting the number 61 Hattori Racing Enterprises Toyota Tundra TRD. He's a 16-year-old, beginning his first full-time racing season in the Arkham and Art Series with Venturini Motorsports just this year. In 22 races across all three Arca platforms, Hingarani has amassed four victories already with 11 top five and 13 top ten finishes. So uh, really excited to see Sean Hingarani in the Truck Series this weekend. Well, we go from the the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, in my opinion, here, as we had GMS Racing announce that it will cease operations at the end of the season. The multi-time championship-winning team, GMS Racing, announced it will be closing its doors at the conclusion of the 2023 race season. GMS Racing has won the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Championship twice in 2016 and 2020 and currently fields three full-time teams consisting of current playoff contender Grant Enfinger and Sunoco Rookie of the Year. Hold on one second. There we go. Computer locked up. Um, Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidate uh, Daniel Dye and Raja Karuth. GMS Racing's latest victory, win number 44 in the Craftsman Truck Series, positioned the team as the overall winningest Chevrolet organization within the series. With six races remaining on the year, all three drivers will look to add fuel to the legacy of one of the most successful organizations in NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series history. Yes, it is uh, very sad to see this happening. But as we know, they are now part of Legacy Motor Club, uh, and so I'm sure they want to focus all those energies on that organization. And if they can do for Legacy Motor Club uh, what they did in the truck series, we've got a lot to look forward to there. I certainly hope so. Okay, let's take a look at some playoff clinch scenarios as they head into Milwaukee uh, this weekend. With one of three races in the Craftsman Truck Series playoff round of 10 in the books, here's a look at some of the clinch scenarios in that field. Uh, only one driver has clinched a spot in the next round, and that's the winner of the first race, uh, Ty Majeski. If there's a repeat winner or a win by a driver who cannot advance to the next round, these drivers uh, could clinch by being 56 points above the seventh winless driver in the standings. It's the same point requirements uh, that would hold true if a new win comes from among Corey Heim, Christian Eckes, Carson Hosevar, Zane Smith, Grant Infinger, or Ben Rhodes. All of those drivers can only clinch with help, and most of them are looking for that win this weekend. If there is a new winner, 
from Nicholas Sanchez, or another winless driver lower in the standings, but still eligible to advance to the next round. Uh, these drivers can clinch by being 56 points above the sixth winless driver in the standings. Again, all of those drivers, Corey Heim, Christian Eckes, Carson Hosevar, Zane Smith, and Grant Kimingfinger, uh, would need help. And that means somebody has to have a bad day, and they have a really, really good day with a win. Now, all of these drivers can clinch with a win, uh, and these are the 10 drivers, the 10 drivers that are in that playoff uh, contention. Uh, Corey Heim, Christian Eckes, Carson Hosefar, Zane Smith, Grant Infinger, Ben Rhodes, Nicholas Sanchez, Matt Crafton, and Mac DiBenedetto. The 10th driver, of course, is Matt Ty Majeski, who already has clinched his spot in that next round. And what does that tell you? The racing is that tight. Winning and you move on is your best option. Exactly right. Now, with that, let's look at two of them, and they're the two outside looking in, is that's Crafton and Benedetto hoping to rally. Following the T-Sport 200 at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park to open the 2023 playoffs, Thor Sport Racing veteran Matt Crafton and Rackley Wars Matt Benedetto find themselves below the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series round of eight cut line. Last weekend, three-time series champion Matt Crafton rallied to a finish, a ninth-place finish at Indianapolis and left the .686-mile track just two points back from the round of eight cut line. The veteran is the only driver in series history to participate in each of the series playoffs since its inception in 2016, and had earned a spot in the round of eight in all previous postseason appearances up until last season. And Crafton is also the only driver entered with previous experience at Milwaukee. In nine starts, the Tulane, California native has one top five finish and five top tens recorded. His best finish at the famed one-mile oval is second, coming back in 2008. Now, it has been 78 races since Crafton's last Craftsman Truck Series win, which came at Kansas in 2020. Now, though it's been 14 years since the series was last at the heralded Milwaukee Mile Speedway, Crafton will likely rely on his previous knowledge of the track to find a way to lock himself into that round of eight. Now, unlike the extensive playoff experience Crafton has, Matt Benedetto is just in his first appearance in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs and has never raced in Blue City. It's been 19 races since Benedetto's last visit to Victory Lane, and it came at Talladega in 2022, but the Grass Valley, California native knows how to race his way into the top 10. He's recorded 10 top 10 finishes so far this season. Driver of the number 25 Rackley War Chevrolet finished 10th at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park and is only three points back from the round of eight cut line in that final transfer position. Now, currently, Rev Racing's rookie Nick Sanchez is that eighth and final transfer spot into the next round in the playoffs on points. Just ahead of Sanchez is seventh is Thor Sport Racing driver and 21. 2021 Series Champion Ben Rhodes up four points on the round of eight cut line. And that's where I said it's tight. (laughs) It certainly is. It's going to be fun to watch that race this weekend. 
Okay, now anybody traveling to Wisconsin knows how to say cheese, especially those drivers in the Truck Series playoffs, as they prepare for the Milwaukee Mile. Located on the grounds of the Wisconsin State Fair Park, the Milwaukee Mile houses a 1.015-mile paved oval. In addition, there's a 0.8-mile asphalt-paved road circuit located in the infield. The infield was home to the NFL's Green Bay Packers from 1934 to 1953. It's also known as the oldest operating speedway in the world. The Milwaukee Mile Speedway has hosted at least one auto race every year since 1903. The only exception was during World War II. The remarkable Mile Oval has hosted 34 NASCAR National Series races, 15 of those being in the Truck Series events, but not one since 2009. Next weekend, the Milwaukee Mile will play host to the second event in the postseason's round of 10, And in 1995, the inaugural Truck Series race at the Milwaukee Mile was won by the pole sitter, Mike Skinner. He was piloting the number three, Richard Childress Chevrolet. The following year, in 1996, there were 17 lead changes, which became the series track record. In 2008, the Truck Series champion and three-time most popular driver, Johnny Benson Jr., holds the most wins in Brew City after three consecutive victories from 2006 to 2008. Four-time Series champion and NASCAR Hall of Famer Ron Hornaday Jr., he won the last race at the Milwaukee Mile on June 20th of 2009, where he bested a field that included... Todd Bodine, Matt Crafton, Johnny Sauter. Crafton, the current playoff contender and driver of that number eight Thor Sport Racing Ford, is the only driver, as we mentioned earlier, that's entered this weekend that has previous truck starts at Milwaukee. Not only will the majority of the contenders have to get comfortable with a new racetrack this weekend, but they'll also be experiencing a foreign concept, racing on Sunday. Qualifying for the Craftman Truck Series race at the Milwaukee Mile begins at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, August the 28th, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 2. So uh, pretty cool to see this race run on Sunday instead of Friday or Saturday. And it is a doubleheader with the Arkham and Art Series uh, combination event. Well, and we talked about how close that points is. We'll talk about how here when we take a look at the 2023 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series season stats at a quick glance. For the first time in 14 years, the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series returning to that heralded Milwaukee Mile Speedway for the Clean Harbors 175 here on Sunday. Now, before the engines fire back up this weekend, though, Let's look at how the competition fared for the entire season. Through 17 races, the 2023 Craftsman Truck Series is tied with the 1998, 2003, 11, and 2020 seasons for the third most different winners with 10. This season, the Truck Series winners include Carson Hosevar, who has three at Texas, Nashville, and Richmond, Christian Eckes has two at Atlanta and Darlington. Corey Himes, two, came at Martinsville in mid-Ohio. Grant Enfinger has two at Kansas and, hey, look at that, Gateway. 
Kyle Busch has a pair at Vegas and Pocono. Zane Smith picked up wins at Daytona and Coda. And then Ben Rhodes got a win at Charlotte. Joey Logano at Bristol Dirt. Kyle Larson at the return to North Wilkesboro. And Ty Majeski at Indianapolis Raceway Park. Now, this season has produced 5,000, or I'm sorry, produced 5.35 lead changes per race, which is tied for the eighth most high through 17 races since the inception of the series in 1995. The same amount was generated through 17 races in 2004, 16, and 17. In addition, the 23 season has produced 9.47 average lean changes per race, and that's tied with the 1999 for the eighth most through 17 races, again, since the inception in 1995. The series has also seen 299 green flag passes for the lead. That's the eighth most since the loot data stat was brought in-house and tabulated starting back in 2007, with an average of 17.6 green flag passes for the, per the lead, for the lead per race. In addition, the series has also produced 22,079 total green flag passes throughout the field, which is the third most since the loop data stat was brought in-house and tabulated in 07, and that brings an average of 1,298 green flag passes per race. Wow. We've got a lot to look forward to on Sunday with that, uh, with the, both of those races. Okay, let's move on. Go ahead. I know uh, real quick uh, before we move on to the Xfinity here, uh, I think there's a lot to say about Milwaukee Mile, as that one has come up when it comes to the NASCAR Cup Series schedule possibility as well. So I think this race is kind of a key element that plays into that to see how the Truck Series do here in their return. That's a very good point, Jay, and thanks for sharing that. All right, we're going to move on now to the extended. All right, uh, my apologies. Uh, I'm going to go over the Xfinity Series information one more time. I guess we both got dropped out of the call. Uh, so let me go back to my notes here. And, Jay, do you know where we left off at? Uh, well, the last I heard was when we just finished up the truck series and you were getting ready to do the Xfinity, and I wasn't sure who dropped out, so I called back in. Apparently, you also had got bumped. Yeah, we both got bumped. All right, we're going to move on now to the NASCAR Xfinity Series, the Wawa 250, powered by Coca-Cola at Daytona International Speedway this Friday, August the 25th starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. USA will carry the coverage, uh, pre-race coverage, starting at 7 p.m., as will radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR, Channel 90. Now, uh, they'll be racing a distance of 250 miles over 100 laps. The first two stages are 30 laps each. Stage 1 ends on lap 30, stage 2 on lap 60. The final stage is 40 laps, ending on lap 100. What do we have in the Xfinity Series, Jay? Well, we'll start with a Sunoco Rookie of the Year update. The NASCAR Xfinity Series Sunoco Rookie of the Year competition. Now, competitors now have 23 races under their belts as they gear up for their second stint at Daytona International Speedway this season. 
College Racing's Chandler Smith continues to lead the competition. He has one win at Richmond, five top fives and nine top tens. That is 651 points. Not far behind him, though, is Joe Gibbs Racing Sammy Smith, who has also racked up one win coming at Phoenix, four top fives and ten top tens, sits at 586 points. Jordan Racing, Jordan Anderson's Racing's Parker Retlaff has posted one top five and five top tens on the season, giving him 426 points. And closing out the competition is Blaine Perkins, who has a total of 184 points. Okay. We talked about double duty in uh, on Sunday. Well, there's going to be double duty at Daytona as well. Cup Series regulars Justin Haley and Ty Gibbs will get, be getting some extra time this weekend as they run the Wawa 250 powered by Coca-Cola. And I think that has changed now, hasn't it? I, don't I know believe so, too. I, I'm trying, yeah, to, I'm trying who, to think who... Uh, oh, it's yeah, Trevor Bain. Ahead, Sharon. Trevor Bain there is go. going to be in that number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota this weekend. Uh, so they're, they'll... And I don't know if they're going to be doing double... If he's doing double duty or not. But there has been a change here since these notes came out. Haley is going to be driving the number 10 Chevrolet for College Racing. This will be his fifth Xfinity Series start of the 23 season and his 10th Xfinity Series start at Daytona International Speedway. In his previous nine starts, he posted two wins. Those came in 2020 and 2021 and three top fives. I don't believe Trevor Bain is doing double duty this weekend, but he is going to be behind the wheel of that number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. Uh, so just uh, be aware, I believe uh, Ty Gibbs is still shown on the entry list, but instead of Ty Gibbs being in that number 19 Toyota, it will be Trevor Bain this weekend. And I'm going based off memory from the announcement yesterday that I saw on Race Hub. I think he's in for three races here coming up. Uh, we'll have more on that as we do next week's preview, though. Yes, indeed. Now, when it comes to super speedway ringers, the key is never lift. And Daytona, Inter- Daytona International Speedway is infamous for its wild, action-packed racing and unexpected finishes, but there's always a few drivers who seem to be able to escape trouble and run out front. Richard Childress Racing's Austin Hill is an obvious favorite for this weekend's Wawa 250 powered by Coca-Cola, given that he's won the last two season openers at Daytona. In last year's action-packed summer race, he managed to race his way to a 14th place finish. Junior Motorsports' Justin Algar is quite the veteran when it comes to racing at Daytona. He's made 25 starts at the track, dating back to 2009 when he made his debut at the track at the season opener. He's had some ups and downs, but has put up some solid finishes, including seven top five finishes, 11 top tens, and led 109 laps. At the season opener back in February, he pulled off a third-place finish. And the third one to look at is Stuart Haas Racing's Riley Herbst, as he has had a solid season thus far, posting five top five, ten top tens. Now, he's hoping that he'll be able to keep that momentum alive as he looks towards this weekend's race to post his first ever NASCAR Xfinity Series win. 
He's made eight starts at the 2.5-mile track, posting two top fives and four tops tens, and picked up a sixth-place finish at the season opener in February. And I believe he's one that's doing double duty in the cups. I think we have that under hot topics. Okay, so there you go. Okay, now, uh, I think you're right, Jay. I, I think I recall reading that as well. Okay, let's take a look at the Daytona clinch scenarios here in the Xfinity Series. There's really three more races to go in the regular season uh, for the series. But with a, another Sam Mayer win last weekend at Watkins Glen, drivers that have not clinched a spot in the playoffs will be pushing the limits to secure their spot in that 12-driver postseason field this weekend at Daytona. With only three races to go in the regular season, we'll take a look at the clinch scenarios as we head into Friday's race. Uh, already clinched, there are eight drivers uh, in the 12-driver the field. They include Austin Hill, John Hunter Nemechek, Justin Algauer, Cole Custer, Sam Mayer, Chandler Smith, Sammy Smith, and Jeb Burton. Now, if there's a repeat winner or a win by a driver who cannot advance into the playoffs, the following drivers can clinch by being 111 points above the third winless driver in the standings. The same point requirements would hold true if a new win comes from among Josh Berry or Daniel Hemrick. Josh Berry uh, can clinch with help, meaning he needs a win. If there is a new winner... From Sheldon Creed or another winless driver lower in the standings, but still eligible to advance to the playoffs, the following drivers can clinch by being 111 points above the second winless drivers in the, in the standings. And again, Josh Berry would need help, uh, and that help would hopefully be a win. Now, all of the drivers can clinch with a win alone. That, of course, includes Josh Berry as well as Daniel Hemrick, Sheldon Creed, Riley Herbst, Parker Kligerman, Brandon Jones, Brett Moffat, Kaz Grala, Parker Retzlaff, Ryan Sieg, Jeremy Clements, Anthony Alfredo, Josh Williams, Joe Graff Jr., and Brennan Poole. So those are drivers that are above and mostly below the cut line right now. So uh, with eight drivers, that includes four drivers that are above, and uh, the rest of those drivers are all below. Well, and that's where we, we saw it in the Cup Series. A win from somebody below can really change that up. So keep an eye out for that at Daytona. Absolutely. Now, we talked about history at Daytona, and it's Richard Childress Racing's Austin Hill looking for a Daytona single-season sweep. Richard Childress Racing's Austin Hill will be coming back to Daytona International Speedway, hoping for a single-season sweep after winning that season opener in February for 2023. The 29-year-old is all too familiar with finding victory lane at the iconic Daytona track, as he having also won the season opener back in 2022. Hill tried to sweep Daytona last season, but after a wild race that saw three overtime restarts, Jeremy Clements ultimately took the checkered flag while Hill finished in 14th. The Winston, Georgia native uh, Hill heads into the weekend with some momentum, though, having already accumulated four wins coming at Daytona, Las Vegas, the first race at Atlanta, and then Pocono. 
Uh, he's also got 13 top fives, 17 top tens, and has led a total of 238 laps this season. And the NASCAR Xfinity Series started racing at Daytona twice a year back in 2002. If Hill is able to win this weekend and accomplish the single-season sweep, it becomes just the second driver all-time to accomplish the feat, and that would put him on a list with NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt Jr., who did it back in 2003. All right. Uh, Jeremy Clements being the defending winner certainly tells us he's capable of winning at that track as one of those drivers that are below the cut line right now. All right, it's going to be Friday night lights for the Daytona International Speedway in the Xfinity Series. Only three races left in the regular season, and that is going to be a guarantee that things are going to heat up at Daytona as the drivers gear up for racing under the lights. Now, the 2.5-mile Super Speedway has hosted 63 Xfinity Series races, producing 36 different winners and 43 different pole winners. Only six races were won from the pole or the first starting spot, most recently by Austin Hill earlier this year in the season opener. NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt and Tony Stewart are tied for the most wins at the track with seven apiece. Only three of 36 race winners will be active in the field this weekend. That includes Justin Haley, who won in 2020 and 21, Austin Hill, 22 and 23, and Jeremy Clements in 22. A couple of others have also gone down in Daytona record books for their performances at the track. They include Kevin Harvick, who currently holds the record for the most top fives at 12, and is tied with Dale Earnhardt Jr. for the most top tens at 14. Earnhardt Jr. also sits as the driver with the most lead lap finishes, 19, and the most laps led at 550. The NASCAR Xfinity Series will be skipping practice this weekend. They'll be heading straight for qualifying at 3 p.m. Eastern on Friday, August the 25th. Qualifying will be on the USA Network starting at 4 p.m. Eastern. And, again, this is a do-not-miss race, uh, one of three races left in the regular season for the Xfinity Series to determine the 12 drivers that will move on to the playoffs. Well, while you uh, introduced us to the Cup Series as we move on to that, I'm going to try and set my DVR for that qualifying session. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Next up, we have the NASCAR Cup Series for the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona International Speedway. That race is going to be Saturday, August the 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern, another one under the lights. And NBC will carry their coverage starting at that time, 7 p.m. Eastern, as well as radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. They'll be racing a distance of 400 miles over 160 laps. The first stage ends on lap 35. The second stage will end on lap 95 for 60 laps. And the final stage will end on lap 160 for 105 laps. So uh, what we have here in the Cup Series is they uh, go into their season finale. Well, it's not very often we can give a spoiler alert, but we got one for you at Daytona. 
There are drivers that are going for that Daytona win with no regard for a title. And while the majority of the competitors this weekend uh, will be vying for the NASCAR Cup Series playoff and running for points and wins in the NASCAR Cup Series championship, six drivers are entered into the Coke Zero Sugar 400 that are not running for the title in the series, so are looking to play spoiler by just grabbing the win this weekend. Those include Chandler Smith, who's going to be in the number, it says 16, Colleg Racing Chevrolet, but I believe that should be 13. A.J. Allmendinger will be in the 16. Uh, Brennan Poole is going to be in the number 15, Rick Ware Racing Ford. Austin Hill, we mentioned him. He's going to be in the number 62, Beard Motorsports Chevrolet. Josh Berry in that number 42, Legacy Motor Club Chevrolet. Riley Herbst is going to be in the number 36, Front Row Motorsports Ford. And then J.J. Yaley in the number 51, Rick Ware Racing Ford. Now, of those six drivers, Riley Herbst has the best average finish at Daytona in the NASCAR Cup Series with a 10.0, followed by Poole, who's got a 15.5, and Yaley at a 26.8. Smith, Hill, and Barry are all making their NASCAR Cup Series career track debut this weekend. Okay, so that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, another big announcement that came out this week is Netflix has a new sports series tracking uh, NASCAR Cup Series place, uh, playoffs. Netflix is gearing up for their new sports documentary series that tracks the upcoming Cup Series playoffs and championship race this fall. Filming has already begun as drivers fight to secure their spot into the playoffs, which begins September 3rd at Darlington Raceway. The series will feature exclusive access to drivers and teams, bringing fans behind the scenes at and away from the track while exploring the physical and mental challenges of competing for a championship at the world's highest level of stock car racing. The Netflix Sports Series is set to premiere early in 2024. There are going to be five 45-minute episodes. The production company is Words Plus Pictures, and they've done other series, including the Super League, the War for Football, and the Countdown, Inspiration for Mission to Space, and NASCAR Studios is also part of that production. Executive producers, and this is what I'm excited about, Connor Schell and Libby Geist, both behind uh, The Last Dance, 30 for 30, and O.J. Made in America, and Aaron Cohen of Words Plus Pictures, also Ben Kennedy from NASCAR, Tim Clark, Matt Summers, Tally Hare, all from NASCAR Studios, and Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, one of NASCAR's very own NASCAR Hall of Famers. The showrunners are Jackie Decker and Tim Mullen, and the series joins Netflix's lineup of sports programming, including recent releases like Formula One's Drive to Survive, Full Swing, Breakpoint, Untold, Quarterback, and an upcoming series following athletes in track and field and the U.S. women's soccer and rugby teams. So uh, very excited to hear about this, and I can't wait to watch it early in 2024. When we're missing racing, we can start watching uh, the Netflix series. Yes, certainly should be interesting. Uh, As we talked about, I think that was covered on our Hot Topics on Monday. 
Now, when we're talking about Daytona, though, we do see some Daytona dominators. Let's take a look at the best of the best at the World Center of Racing. Winning at one of NASCAR's most prestigious tracks, Daytona International Speedway is a major accomplishment. So it's not particularly surprising that the top 10 series winningest drivers at Daytona are all in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. When we look at the top 10, you start with Richard Petty, who coincidentally has a total of 10. He's got seven Daytona 500 wins and three in the summer race. Cale Yarbrough has nine total, five of the Daytona 500 wins and four in the summer race. And we've got David Pearson, who has eight. His are three 500 wins and five in the summer race. Fireball Roberts, uh, kind of even. He's got seven. He's got four 500 wins three in the summer race. Bobby Allison and Jeff Gordon actually split right down the middle. Six total, they got three 500 wins in three summer races. Bill Elliott split his four, two and two. Dale Earnhardt Jr. as well, two 500 victories, two summer races. Dale Jarrett's got four, but he's got three 500 wins in only one summer race. Junior Johnson, on the other hand, all four of his were Daytona 500 victories. And then Tony Stewart, the opposite. All four of his Daytona wins came in the summer race and doesn't have any 500 wins. This weekend, the NASCAR Cup Series field will have 14 former Daytona International Speedway winners entered. They're led by Denny Hamlin with three wins. The most recent winner at Daytona that has entered this weekend that is JTG daughter is Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who won the Daytona 500 earlier this season. Now Stenhouse Jr. heads into this weekend looking to become the sixth different driver in NASCAR Cup Series history to sweep both Daytona races. That's the Daytona 500 and then the summer race to do that in a single season. To do so, he would join Fireball Roberts, who did it in 1962, Cale Yarbrough in 1968, Leroy Yarbrough in 1969, Bobby Allison in 1982, and then Jimmy Johnson in 2013. Since the win in your in format was initiated in the playoffs in 2016, Eric Jones' 2018 summer race win, William Byron's summer win in 2020, and last season Austin Dillon's summer race win are the only three summer race victories at Daytona that clinch a driver into the postseason. The other three winners were either not eligible for the playoffs due to not competing for the championship in the series, as Haley was in 2019, or the drivers had already previously won in the same season. And that was the case with Brad Keselowski in 2016, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 2017, and Ryan Blaney back in 2020. Okay, let's take a look at the first-time winners at the World Racing Center. One thing Daytona is known for is unpredictable finishes that on occasion produce first-time winners in the NASCAR Cup Series. In fact, four of the last eight Cup Series races at Daytona have fashioned just that, first-time winners. A total of 23 different winners have posted their first Cup Series win at Daytona. Eleven of the 23 drivers posted their first winner win in the summer races. The most recent first-time winner at Daytona was the 22 Daytona 500 uh, winner 
at Team Penske's Austin Sindrick became the first rookie to win that prestigious season opener. The most recent first-time winner in the summer race at Daytona was the August race of 2020 with race winner William Byron earning his spot into the playoffs. Uh, going from the bottom up here, uh, we'll look at first-time winners. Uh, going back to 1963, uh, we had Johnny Rutherford and Tiny Lynn, uh, who was were first-time winners. There was also Bobby Isaac. In 1964, along with the A.J. Foyt, Earl Balmer got his first-time win in 66, as did Sam McQuaig. In 1967, it was Mario Andretti getting his first-time win. Uh, Pete Hamilton won for the first time in 1970. Greg Sachs in 1985. Derek Culp in 1990. Sterling Marlin got his first win in 94. Jimmy Spencer also in 94, and in 97 it was John Andretti. Michael Waltrip won for the first time in 2001. That was a memorable one. Also, Greg Biffle in 2003. Trevor Bain won for the first time in the 2011 race. It was David Reagan also winning for the first time in 2011. In 2014 it was Eric Amarola. And in 2018, it was Eric Jones. Moving on to 2019, Justin Haley got his first win. William Byron in 2020, Michael McDowell in 2021, and Austin Sendrick, as we mentioned earlier, won his first race in 2022. Of 23 different drivers that have posted their first Cup Series career win at Daytona, Justin Haley started the deepest in the field at Daytona to win his first race with a 34th place starting position in 2019. Some interesting stats there, Jay. There was, and there was a, one I learned right there. I would not have recalled that that was Greg Biffle's first victory who came at Daytona. <laughs> Now, when we talk about this race, Daytona International Speedway is the perfect stage for that regular season finale. As all eyes will be on the World Center racing this weekend, Daytona International Speedway, as the iconic hollowed grounds, will play host to the NASCAR Cup Series regular season finale, the Coke Zero Sugar 400. And Daytona International Speedway, which is a 2.5-mile paved super speedway, located there just outside Daytona Beach, Florida, has hosted 152 NASCAR Cup Series races since the inaugural event back in 1959. 65 of those races have been 500 miles, 60 of them 400 miles, and four were 250 miles. There's also 23 qualifier races that were points races, but this weekend marks just the fourth time now the summer race will be the NASCAR Cup Series regular season finale that started back in 2020. The 152 Cup Series races at the historic Daytona International Speedway have produced 63 different pole winners and 69 different race winners. NASCAR Hall of Famer Kyle Yarbrough leads the Cup Series in poles at Daytona with 12 uh, the 12 Daytona poles are from the eight of Yarbrough's 12 poles at Daytona are from the summer race. 
which is also the series most for that event as well. And nine of the 63 Cup Series Daytona Pole winners are active this weekend, but only three have won poles for the summer race at Daytona. That includes Chase Elliott in 2018, Kyle Busch in 2013, and Kevin Harvick in 2002. Mentioned Chase Elliott as an active uh, driver with three, as well as Alex Bowman. Kyle Larson also has one. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., William Byron, Austin Dillon, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., and Kevin Harvick each have one, and they are active this weekend. A NASCAR Hall of Famer, Richard Petty, leads the Cup Series and wins at Daytona with 10 victories. Joe Gibbs Racing, Denny Hamlin, leads all active NASCAR Cup Series drivers with Daytona wins with three, yet none are from this weekend's summer race. Of the 69 Cup Series Daytona winners, 41 of them have won the summer race, which is 59.4%, whereas NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson leads the series in summer races victories, summer race victories at Daytona, with five of his coming in the summer race. A total of 14 NASCAR Cup Series Daytona winners are active this weekend, and 10 of those 14 have won the summer event at Daytona. Five of those 14 need a win this weekend to secure their spot into the playoffs. When we take a look at that, uh, Denny Hamlin mentioned leading the way with three. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. now has two, as well as Austin Dillon. Ian Austin, one of those that needs that victory this weekend to move into the playoffs. Kevin Harvick also has a pair. And then in the single race wins, you have Austin Sindrick needs the win. Ryan Blaney, Michael McDowell, William Byron. Justin Haley needs to repeat to get in, as well as does Eric Jones. Then you got Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano already locked in. Eric Almarola needs a victory, uh, like he has before. And then Kyle Busch. Now some other stats. The youngest Daytona summer race winner, that's Justin Haley back in 2019, when he was 20 years two months, nine days, which is the all-time track record. Trevor Bain, on the other hand, back in 2011, was 20 years, zero months, and one day. The oldest Daytona summer race winner, that's Bobby Allison, back in 1987, when he was 49 years old, seven months, and one day, which is the all-time track record, is also held by Bobby Allison at 50 years, five months, and 23 days, when he won the Daytona back in 1988. A total of 22 different starting positions have produced winners in the NASCAR Cup Series summer race at Daytona. The first starting position is the most proficient starting position in the field, producing more winners at nine than any other starting position for the summer race at Daytona. The most recent driver to win from the pole or first starting position at Daytona in the Cup Series was NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt Jr. back in the 2015 July race. The deepest in the field that a race winner has started at Daytona is 42nd, and that was by NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart in the 2012 July race. Mentioned Austin Dillon's win last season in August uh, came from the 21st starting position in the seventh summer Daytona race out of 60 one from a starting position outside the top 20 
which is at a 10.94 percentage. Now, this weekend's uh, Cup Series on-track activity at Daytona International Speedway, their Bush Light Pole qualifying will be on Friday, covered on the U- USA Network, starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, again, so much to look forward to this weekend. Uh, but let's talk about Joe Gibbs Racing teammates. There's uh, Martin Truex Jr. and Denny Hamlin as they are in contention for the regular season championship. It all comes down to unpredictable Daytona International Speedway to decide who will win this season's Cup Series regular season championship. One thing is for sure, a Joe Gibbs Racing driver will be taking home that prestigious honor and trophy and 15 playoff bonus points. The question is, which one of them will it be? Currently, Martin Truex Jr. holds the Cup Series point standings lead by 39 points over his teammate, Denny Hamlin, in second. Truex can clench that regular season championship no matter what Hamlin does if he scores at least 22 points this Saturday. Seems like it's not too difficult, and normally that might be the case, but this time Truex is facing some daunting obstacles, the first being the unpredictability of super speedway racing. That's why they call it the wild card race. And Truex has not won a super speedway event in the NASCAR Cup Series uh, throughout his career. At Daytona, Truex has made 36 starts, posting three top fives and six top tens. He's finished runner-up at the 2.5-mile track twice, the most recent coming in 2018 at the Daytona 500 when he finished runner-up to, guess who, Kenny Hamlin. The second biggest obstacle to overcome this weekend is his teammate, Denny Hamlin. He just so happens to be one of the best active drivers on super speedways. He leads all drivers entered this weekend with wins at Daytona with three victories in 16, 19, and in 20. In total, Hamlin's made 35 starts at Daytona, putting up three wins, 11 top fives, and 12 top tens. If Truex, who was the regular season champion in 2017, if he wins again this season, he will join Kyle Busch, who did it in 2018 and 19, as the only two drivers to have, multi- to have won it multiple times. If Hamlin takes that regular season championship, he will become the sixth different driver in series history to win the prestigious honor, joining Kyle Busch again in 2018 and 19, Chase Elliott in 2022, Kyle Larson in 21, and Kevin Harvick in 2020. Again, Martin Truex did it in 2017. So we'll see which one of those Dirk Gibbs racing drivers comes up with that victory this year. Well, when we talk about title, I should say. When it comes to the overall playoffs, though, in clinch scenarios, there's only one spot left, so there's only one last chance. As this weekend's NASCAR Cup Series regular season finale at Daytona International Speedway is that last opportunity for drivers who have not yet clinched a spot in the playoffs to earn their position into the postseason. Now, a total of 15 drivers have already clinched their playoff spot, leaving just that one position open for drivers to battle for in the Coke Zero Sugar, for, Coke Zero Sugar 400 this Saturday. 
Having already clinched those 15 drivers are Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, William Byron, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, Brad Keselowski, Chris Busher, Ross Chastain, Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick, Joey Logano, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Michael McDowell. Now, this points uh, clinch scenarios are pretty simple. Uh, if there's a repeat winner or a win by a driver who cannot advance in the playoffs, drivers that would have clinch following the fourth winless driver in the standings. The same points requirements would be if the new win comes from Bad Kozlowski or Kevin Harvick. Bubba Wallace is the only one that can do it on his own if he has 24 points or more. Ty Gibbs, Daniel Suarez can only do it if they have help and that would be not so good finishes by the two above them. Now the drivers that could clinch on their win alone, that's all the rest of them. Um, start with Bubba Wallace, who's in the final spot right now. Average finish at Daytona is 13.0. Ty Gibbs, average finish, 19.0. Daniel Suarez is at 26.7. A.J. Allmendinger, 19.7. Alex Bowman is a 16.7. Uh, or sorry, Chase Elliott is 22.0. Austin Sindrick has a good one at 10.5. Justin Haley at 17.1, Ryan Priest 21.7, Eric Almarola 20.2, Todd Dillon 27.6, Corey LeJoy 18.7, Eric Jones is a 22.8, Austin Dillon a 15.6, Harrison Burton 28.0, Chase Briscoe 21.8, and then Ty Dillon at 21.1. Now, five of the 14 drivers that can earn a spot in the playoffs with a win this weekend are former NASCAR Cup Series Daytona International Speedway winners. Those are Austin Sindrick, Justin Haley, Eric Almarola, Eric Jones, and Austin Dillon. A 23-11 Racing's Bubba Wallace has that 32-point advantage on Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs heading into this weekend's regular season finale. Both Wallace and Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidate, Gibbs, are looking to make the playoffs for the first time in their careers. Just behind Gibbs in the standings, though, that's Trackhouse Racing's Daniel Suarez, who's 43 points behind Wallace and looking for a second appearance in the postseason, as he did it last year in 2022. Among three drivers, though, Wallace has posted the best finish at Daytona as he's collected three runner-up finishes in his career. Suarez has posted a best finish of seventh earlier this season at Daytona in February of 23, and Gibbs' best finish is 13th, which he posted in this race last season. The other one to keep an eye on is this weekend is Richard Childress Racing's Austin Dillon. He's a defending winner of the 2022 regular season finale at Daytona. Dillon currently buried in the standings at 29th and needing that win to get into the playoffs. If Dylan were to pull off the big win to make the postseason this season, uh, it would be the sixth time in his career in 22, 20, 18, 17, and 16 that he's appeared in the playoffs. He'd also become the sixth driver in series history to win consecutive summer races at Daytona, and that would put him on a list with Fireball Roberts, A.J. Foyt, Kale Yarbrough, David Pearson, and Tony Stewart. 
And Sharon already covered the uh, regular season championship uh, clinch scenarios. Martin Truex needs 22 points. Denny Hamlin has to do it with some help. All right. Uh, It's high stakes for the NASCAR Cup season, regular season finale at Daytona. And it all comes down to this weekend's uh, season finale, the Coke Zero Sugar 400. So if history is any indicator of what we can expect this weekend, everybody has a chance to win. Grasping on to the 16th and final available, our Cup Series playoff spot. Currently on points is 23 Racing's Bubba Wallace, who's hoping to make the postseason for the first time in his career. What bodes well for Wallace is there are only two drivers mathematically eligible to catch him this weekend. That's Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs. He's ranked 17th in the standings outlook. He's 32 points behind Wallace and is 18th and is in 18th. And also in 18th is Trackhouse Racing's Daniel Suarez, who's 43 points back from the cut line. But that doesn't fall in Wallace's favor. But what doesn't fall in Wallace's favor is the 14 other drivers that are eligible for the postseason that are facing a winner-go-home situation this weekend and will be buying for that postseason spot, making Saturday night's showdown that much more intense. And believe me, it will be intense. Since the inception of the playoffs, the Cup Series of the Cup Series in 2004, Richmond Wasteway hosted the regular season finale from 2004 to 17, so that was for 14 years. Then from 18 and 19, Indianapolis Motor Speedway's Oval hosted the regular season event, uh, final event, and this weekend marks the fourth time that the high banks of Daytona International Speedway has hosted the Cup Series regular season finale starting in 2020. The Cup Series playoffs is currently operating in its third iteration of the postseason points system. And uh, since its inception in 2004, the first playoff points uh, system from 2004 to 2009 had the top 10 to 12 drivers earning their postseason playoff spot by points only. The second version of the playoff point system from 2010 to 13 incorporated the top 10 drivers to get in on wins or points with the addition of two extra drivers referred to as wild cards. The third version of the playoff point system from 2014 to the present features drivers vying for the top 16 playoff spots either by points or by a win and you're in rule. The third version of the playoffs also instituted the elimination-style format, with four drivers being eliminated from playoffs at the conclusion of each postseason round, culminating with the championship four battle, battling it out for the title in the season finale. Now, there are four drivers here who made it in, uh, made it into the postseason uh, in the... Richmond, let's see, four drivers have come in from the outside, the cutoff, to make the post, the playoffs at Richmond in the first iteration of the format. Jeremy Mayfield did it in 2004. He made up a 55-point deficit. Ryan Newman in 2005 made up a one-point deficit. Casey Kane in 2006 made up a 30-point deficit. And Brian Vickers in 2009 made up a 20-point deficit. So 
there is a chance for just about anybody to make it into the playoffs this weekend if they can come in and win the race this weekend. We'll see what happens. Uh, We are getting ready to start our Hot Topic Sound Off segment because we are at the top of the hour now. So uh, let's go ahead and get started with that. I believe Andy will be joining us momentarily. But, Jay, let's start our Hot Topic Sound Off um, with the wild card of who do you think could do it this weekend? Well, that's an easy one. Who could do it is anybody. Uh, there are so many. We know he mentioned uh, Chase Elliott. Maybe doesn't have the best average finish at Daytona, but does do well at super speedway racing. Uh, Bubba Wallace is in the points position, but does actually do fairly well when it comes to Daytona. So he could. Uh, I think those are the two that most eyes are going to be on um, because, again, you have uh, the both 13 drivers that have locked in either already on wins or Brad Keselowski, certainly uh, one that can pick up the super speedway victory there at Daytona, wouldn't affect anything in bubble would get in on points. So I think those two are really the two you're going to be watching. But we've seen it, and you, you went through some interesting stats of who has raced their way in. Happened last year with Austin Dillon, could again this year. Um, makes for a great storyline on the good side. The bad side is that would push out driver number 2311 racing, 23 of Bubba Wallace. So I think this is a great setup NASCAR has set with this Daytona race as this playoff uh, cutoff race because it opens that door to all possibilities. Yeah, this is a race that uh, none of the drivers without a win are safe on points either because it's very likely, too, that we could have a repeat winner uh, from this season take that race at Daytona, which would mean points uh, take a front uh, and center space there. And if uh, Bubba Wallace, who is good on super speedways, but if he has a bad day, uh, this Saturday night, it could mean that he does not make the playoffs. So uh, these drivers are looking for a no-mistake kind of day. Um, but, you know, equally, uh, if if there is a new winner from the group of drivers that have not gotten a win yet this season, uh, they can propel themselves into the playoffs regardless of where they are on points. So it is going to be an exciting uh, race to watch this weekend and Saturday night under the lights at Daytona International Speedway. Uh, I can't wait to see what does happen. And and here's the biggest thing, I think more so than any other race. You mentioned not having or having a mistake-free race. In this particular case, it's really not even about your own team. It's a mistake it's of somebody else that costs the entire field. You know, uh, we've seen it at other races. Somebody else's mistake wipes out a car, maybe two. Uh, this one has a tendency to the entire field. So you're looking for 36-plus teams to not have a mistake and affect you. Yeah, throw into the mix, too, Sal. Or Sal. 
Jay, throw into this mix as well that we've got some drivers that are entered uh, that are just out there trying to get a win and do as well as they possibly can. And we know that this is a race of attrition. You've got Chandler Smith in the number 13, Brendan Poole in the 15, Riley Earps is going to be in the 36 this weekend, Josh Berry in that number 42, J.J. Yaley in the 51, Austin Hill in the number 62. We know he's good on super speedways, and B.J. McLeod in that number 78. Um, it's going to be – there's so many variables uh, that are going into this race, and we know this is a race where anything can and does happen at Daytona International Speedway. Uh, and one of those things that can and does happen is the big one that could take out half of the field. Andy, we're talking about what – can we expect at Daytona International Speedway this weekend, and who has the best shot of filling that one spot that's available in the playoffs? The short is, well, how's it going, Sharon and Jay? Good to be on here uh, this afternoon. Um, as far as those answers to your questions, nothing can be expected, and anybody can win. <laughs> so uh, it's it's you got to love Daytona for that reason, and. Um, Obviously, with it being a cutoff race to begin the Cup Series playoffs, it's it's probably going to ratchet up that level of uh, craziness even more. So, I wish I could say I had a bold prediction, but I I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Where do, you, how do you where do you start? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Denny Hamlin said he expected to be a crash fest uh, this weekend. Uh, do you agree with him, Jay? Well, that, that's tough to say because it all depends on the drivers. And, Sharon, you mentioned uh, the six drivers that aren't regular season competitors in the Cup Series. I will say this as a whole, when we have that situation, they're pretty respectful of other drivers, period. Again, it's not necessarily their series or where they're running full time. The playoff implications on the line. But you said it. They are strictly there for that race victory. Uh, you know, that's why they've entered to get a win at Daytona. So, yeah, they're not necessarily looking um, looking out for all these point scenarios and whatnot as far as that, but they are still respectful that it is the cutoff race and just that they're in another series, you know, making a start in the Cup Series. But that does add another extra layer of intensity and the uh, scenarios that different teams are going for. I just think about, you mentioned Denny Hamlin. He's the one that said it, it'd be a wreck fest. It certainly can be. We've seen it. But we've also seen some where there's limited cautions and not any wrecks or limited wrecks, small wrecks. Um, so it'll be interesting. But I just think about Denny Hamlin. Um, I heard that, I heard something on the SiriusXM. You talk about what scenario he's going to play out. He is still mathematically it's possible for him to get the regular season championship. So he's going to watch uh, Battle Martin Truex. He also could pick up the win and get uh, more bonus points for himself going into the playoffs. He's got a teammate, Ty Gibbs. If he can help position himself, push Ty Gibbs to the win. Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota get another car into the playoffs. Oh, but by the way, he could help and push Bubba Wallace, his team uh, that he owns, help him into the playoffs and Toyota. That's four different things he's got on his mind uh, just by himself. Yeah, that's a really good point, Jay. Uh, Andy, I want to hear your follow-up. 
Well, I think that um, it's just going to be so interesting to see. I, I heard you guys talking about Bubba Wallace, and, you know, he has a good chance as it is because of how good he is in super speedways. Um, certainly can point his way in. But I, I have this funny feeling that somebody is going to win this race, um, possibly that's not already won this year. I mean, I just that's the thing about Daytona is, you know, just about anywhere else, with the exception of Talladega or Atlanta now, you know, you can kind of tell who's been running well and who's going to win. But Daytona has that that um, that magic to it, if you will, where, you know, m- crazy things can happen and people can win that you don't expect. And, you know, it's such an equalizer that, you know, we could really see some see an upset and see, um, you know, someone come in there and win this race that's not currently in the top 16 in points that, that can basically steal a playoff spot. And you'd hate to see it, but that's the what, what the rules are. Um, you know, so I don't know. I just, I just think that it's so wide open this weekend that uh, you really, it just seems like if you're, if you're not already locked in, you're, you're just not safe at this point. Yeah, I think I would say impossible to predict, and uh, um, well, exciting to watch. Uh, that's exactly why this is the last race of the regular season and the race that will determine who takes that final spot into the playoffs uh, and who is going to be our regular season champion. It's going to be tight between Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. Those guys are teammates. And uh, Martin Truex Jr., you've got him. He's not good on super speedways uh, uh, historically. Denny Hamlin's great on super speedways historically. But that means nothing when you go into the regular season finale. And uh, we'll have to see what uh, happens this Saturday night under the lights at Daytona International Speedway. I can't wait, guys. How about you? Yeah, yeah certainly not. I'm and I got... Oh, go, go ahead, Andy. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um heading down for it tomorrow morning uh for both races this weekend so um yeah it's hard not to it's hard not to be excited and just you know daytona under the lights is is fun in its own and then you add in the whole you know playoff element for the cup series and it's uh it's going to be i hope it's going to be good and the weather finally looks good for once usually this race is plagued by thunderstorms and delays and postponements but i i think it's going to be really nice the next two nights um, so, yeah, it's hard not to be excited about it. I think it's uh, going to be a good weekend. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that, Andy, about the, the R word. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Jay, did you you had something more to say here, too. Are you looking forward to the well, and I sh- Yeah, I, I am, and I, and I certainly uh I have more to say after Andy said that the weather is as unpredictable as the racing is going to be on the track. So you never know how that might play out, but uh, it is forecasted nice, as he said. And I got one for you. I know we didn't have it on our actual list, but there's a hot topic just in what we've been talking about. Uh, I mentioned Denny Hamlin. He said he would help uh, his car of 23 Bubba Wallace push him to a victory versus his own teammate of Joe Gibbs, uh, Ty Gibbs. William Byron has said the same thing of he's going to do what he can to help Hendrick Motorsports get another driver into the playoffs. 
NASCAR's in a position of where do they draw that line of race manipulation when it comes to helping a teammate get into the playoffs. Okay, let's make that be our first hot topic. Andy, what are your thoughts? Or That's actually a, a, that's a really good point and a really good uh, topic for sure. And it's something to think about because um, I've already seen some comments in, from drivers that have said, um, Ross Chastain, not to call him out specifically, but he's one that has said that the number one goal is to try to push his teammate, Daniel Suarez, into the playoffs. Um, and I'm, you have to believe that that would be the case for somebody like like Kyle Busch, you know, to try to help Austin Dillon or, or anybody that's outside of the playoffs, really. So um, I guess the, it's going to be interesting to see, I guess, but, you know, how can you tell if, if a team is sandbagging, you know, or specifically out there to help another car or not, that's what, what I'm not sure of. And, and I, I think it would be very interesting to see if, if, you know, the race comes down to, for let's just say it's teammates on the last lap, you know, and they've, they've pushed themselves out away from the rest of the field and the one leading the race coming off turn four has already won a race. Would they pull over and let their teammate go by for the win? I don't know. That, that's a, I, I hope that it isn't a, you know, a theme of, you know, theme of the night, but it, it's a very real possibility. And, and the question would be determining what is legitimate and, and what is not. So um, I, I definitely think you'll see it now, you know, pushing and drafting with a teammate, I think is totally fair game. That's the nature of super speedway racing anyway. But, you know, I think if someone were to, to effectively pull over and let a teammate win the race wouldn't be in the, in the spirit of fair racing. So I don't know. I hope that it isn't an issue, certainly Saturday night or Friday night or whenever, but I, you have to wonder if we're going to see some, you know, sandbagging and, and um, drivers, you know, purposely laying over to help teammates. It, it could, it could be a thing, especially, you know, if an organization can get all of their cars in the playoffs. So, I hope it's not a thing, but you have to you have to believe that there have been meetings about teamwork and working together and, and, and really making a one last push to to try to get a non playoff car locked in. Well, we know that there was a line drawn in Richmond a few years ago when Michael Waltrip Racing uh, was called out for some of the actions that they took during the race uh, at at that race. Um, in fact, they ultimately ended up closing their doors afterwards because sponsors uh, kind of fell to the wayside after all of that. Uh, I think drivers and teams learned from that experience. We're going to see a lot of code talking, I think, on the radio uh, because uh, drivers are not going to say outright exactly what they're doing. Uh, teams are not going to say outright exactly what they're doing. Uh, but I think that and I hope that NASCAR has extra eyes watching what's going on throughout this race. Um, uh, teams have learned to be very coy about uh, what they're doing to help teammates or to help the situations uh, throughout these races. So um, uh, I hope we're not talking about this on, on Monday uh, during our Hot Topic segment on Monday about team manipulation uh, of the consequence uh, of the outcome of the race, and I hope that 
uh, we can be proud of whoever wins and gets in uh, or whatever the situation is at Daytona on Saturday night. Um, The last thing this sport needs, and I hope teams take this into consideration, is that dark cloud of uh, getting into the playoffs in an illegitimate way. So NASCAR has their hands full. Uh, I don't envy their position. And uh, uh, I hope the teams uh, have the integrity to want to be in the playoffs legitimately and without team manipulation. Uh, Jay? Yeah, i got to start with what you both said. Hopefully this isn't the storyline on Monday that NASCAR is having to look at this and make a judgment call. Um, But they are in a really tough box. Sharon, you already brought up the deal with uh, Michael Waltrip racing back at at Michigan, or not Michigan, Richmond, um, a few years back. There are certain scenarios, if I were one of the ones in NASCAR having to make a judgment call and give my input, if your driver that has a win is leading and pulls over and teammate gets by, that gets that victory they need, to me that's foul. Um, behind them and pushing them, that's a little bit different story because you know you've got to have somebody behind you pushing. Um, and I understand from a business aspect of an organization, Ty Gibbs, uh, Ty Gibbs for Joe Gibbs Racing, getting him into the playoffs, important for the organization, same with Hendrick Motorsports. I had not heard Trackhouse Racing's Ross Chastain, but that is another one with Daniel Suarez. So I think it's going to be a fine line. Um, you know, again, we see drafting and pushing, and it's required and needed at Daytona, uh, your super speedways. So that is part of it. Like I said, to me it would be if the, the one with the win is the one leading and all of a sudden they pull over and, and the teammate gets by them, I know even if they're the one behind pushing to say, well, they could have pulled out and tried for the win, that one's a tougher call to make. Um, But NASCAR's got to be aware of it. Uh, That's three different interviews with what Andy said. Ross Chastain made some statements. And you know it. They they can be as coy as they want on the radio. NASCAR's already heard it this week. It's been on Sirius XM radio all week, these teams and drivers talking about it, that that's their goal and what their intent is. So... And I know we've heard it in the past. I think it goes back to Talladega. Ford might have been the first one to say, hey, we're going to work together as an, a manufacturer to make sure a Ford wins. Is that manipulation? You know, they're saying, hey, we're going to team up together even with teams that aren't our organization. You know, it, it's a tough line. We'll have to see how it plays out. I think there are some scenarios where NASCAR could step in and say, no, this was foul. There's some others where it may be really questionable as to whether or not it was, like I said, if you're behind pushing and you don't pull out to try and pass, that's a tough call to make. It is. I, I, it's it's going to be interesting. But, Andy, what's your follow-up there? Jay, I'm, before you do that, I apologize. I did get kicked out again, and I had to call back in, so I missed some of your uh, commentary. If I repeat it, uh, my apologies. Andy? Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I think that this subject is something we have to watch this weekend. You know, I hope, again, that, you know, there isn't any controversy with somebody making the playoffs solely because another teammate uh, laid over and, and allowed them to win 
um, unfairly, you know, so I hope that we don't see that, but you have to believe that, you know, teammates helping other teammates and manufacturers working together, um, that's all going to come to fruition, which it usually does at super speedways anyway. So that the, the normal team working aspect of it, you will see. And I think that's okay in the spirit of racing, working together as a team or a manufacturer to try to win a race and to try to lock yet another driver into the playoffs. That, that's, that's cool. Like that's, that's a good thing. And that certainly I think is, is fair racing, but um, you know, certainly if somebody intentionally um, doesn't follow it, and we've talked about this a lot, but you know, racing at a hundred percent, you know, I would hate to see it, uh, you know, cause I feel like that would detract from, what should be a pretty good race and in, in a in a good uh, final push to make the playoffs, but I guess we'll uh, possibly be talking about this Monday. We'll see what we'll see what comes to fruition this weekend. Well, Andy, I agree with you. I think that um, uh, this should be uh, something that we should be celebrating and not uh, regretting in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I I. I, uh, there's a very fine line and a slippery slope at the same time between supporting your teammate and manipulating the outcome of the race. And I think that's the, that's the thing that NASCAR needs to look at when they go into this weekend. Uh, supporting your teammate is certainly acceptable. If you're behind your teammate and you're pushing them to that win, uh, that is a good thing. Uh, but if you are, uh, and I think you did say this, Jay, and I agree with you, if you're uh, leading and you pull over to let your teammate take that spot uh, for the lead so that they can win instead of you, um, to me that that's, that's very suspect. And I, I personally would think that that would be unacceptable. Uh, so uh, I think that... Uh, if you want to support your teammate, be behind them and not in front of them and giving them the spot. Um, don't be taking out other drivers <laughs> so that your driver can win. Um, those are all unacceptable uh, to be uh, to me, and not in this in a good sportsmanship uh, mindset. And I think that's the other thing that drivers need to kind of keep in mind here. Let's show good sportsmanship. Uh, let's be role models uh, for others uh, who are aspiring to come into this sport. This is the elite series of NASCAR. These are supposed to be the best drivers, uh, stock car drivers in the world. And I think that they need to represent the sport in that way. Um, And I say that not just to the drivers, but to the teams as well. Uh, let's show <laughs> that we are the best sport, uh, that we are the, the premier series and uh, the best stock car drivers and teams in the world. And if you, if you have that mindset, I think that we won't have any issues. It's when you have that lack of confidence in your team that you do things sometimes that are nefarious and not in the light of good sportsmanship that some of these things happen and i just want to caution all the teams the drivers uh everybody in this sport uh to be aware of that line 
when you're crossing it uh, in in the bad sportsmanship uh, limelight, if you will. Uh, because let's face it, uh, there's going to be a spotlight on the sport this weekend, and we, we want to put our best foot forward, and that's the best way I can put it. Jay? Well, I, I know this would be last round and, and to wrap it up, but actually, while you guys were talking, I had another thought when uh, somebody said something uh, as far as uh, other teams, not just of how you're helping your teammate. And I think back to, and this was ba- uh, essentially, though, for qualifying, and I know it was under a different format, but a, a teammate dropping back to pick up a driver to make sure they get pushed far enough forward to qualify and get in during one of the duels. You know, like I said, it's really tough, you know, to make that call. If you t- if you pit with only your teammates, is that manipulation or is it a race strategy? Well, it kind of falls it's under race both. Strategy. But, right, you know, and that's why I said, you know, it's a really tough call to make there. One of the things, though, that, that I was thinking of as you guys were talking back and forth is blocking. Uh, and I'm going to, I'll just use one of the examples we had, William Byron. He goes to block a lane that Bubba Wallace is in. The outside lane, three cars back, is Chase Elliott, uh, you know, his teammate. Okay, you, you made a move, you blocked the lane. It happens to have Bubba Wallace in it, and Chase Elliott moves forward. You know, I mean, there are so many different scenarios. Like I said, NASCAR is in kind of a bad position and to have to make a judgment call. The fact that it is a super speedway, I think, is one where – I don't want to say they're going to make an exception, but it's tougher to make a call. What we saw back at Richmond was they used a caution needed so that somebody could get back on the lead lap and even have a chance, and that caution came out by a teammate. It was pretty blatant. Everybody knew it. Got it. Uh, When it comes to racing at Daytona, unless we see a fast car, like I said, just all of a sudden pull over and the teammate gets by, I think they kind of got to let it go, uh, truthfully. You know, like I said, if it's pushing the teammate, you didn't pull out to try and pass, you made a move to block a certain line, those are going to be a lot tougher to make that call where they can say, hey, we can't say 100%, so we're not going to make the call. But if we see a team check up, lift, move over, NASCAR is going to have to, uh, in my opinion. Like I said, if I were the one making that judgment call. Yeah, it's. Uh, going to be interesting, no doubt about it, but that is certainly one of the dynamics that go into this race this weekend and the season finality for the NASCAR Cup Series. Andy, we're ready to move on. What's our next hot topic? Yeah, looking at um, the possibility of new TV partners uh, that are looking to um, come in, I believe the current TV deal expires, I want to say it's next year, so um, possibly looking at Amazon and uh, Turner to um, come into the sport and maybe have at least a portion of the schedule at some point. Thoughts on possibly having new TV providers or networks uh, broadcast NASCAR? Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, we've kind of had this discussion several times. Obviously, uh, Amazon and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Turner, uh, Warner, Warner. Warner Brothers, excuse me. There we go. Um, provide that streaming platform. And the way it was kind of laid out, and I want to say, let me see if I can pull it up, if it was Bob Pockris. Somebody had the tweet that they expect Fox and in. Say that again, Sharon? Pete Pistone. 
Okay, uh, uh, there we go. Thank you. Um, that it's kind of expected Fox and NBC are going to be the two, but there might be a split of certain races covered, a six-race gap. And from NBC's side, I understand when it comes to Sunday night football is kind of what it talked about um, as they get into the football schedule. I think that's kind of a good plan because it also gives NASCAR the opportunity, as we like to say, dip their toe in the water, see what happens during a six-race span that they're covered on one of these streaming devices and get a feel for how the fans react to it, what kind of uh, attendance isn't the right word, viewership, there we go, Um, it receives and how it works out without going to it fully and having it not work, and then they got to go back. So if that six-race deal, and we saw this back with, uh, I believe it was TNT that had a six-race deal in the middle of a season. I'm okay with that, and I think it's actually a good plan. Like I said, kind of test the waters and see how it comes out. So I think either one of those is kind of a good scenario. I really do think, uh, as Pete Pistoni said, uh, that I think Fox and NBC are still your two prime players and whatnot. But as we've seen with other things, what we expect and really think is a lock-done deal doesn't always happen. So I just hope NASCAR does a, what, how do I say it, the best for the sport without going backwards and, and shooting themselves in the foot by moving forward with something that doesn't work and they didn't realize it wasn't going to. Yeah, that that uh, post by Pete Stoney kind of gave me some uh, insight, I guess, and uh, some hope, if you will, for what to expect in that 2025 season, uh, because they are looking at Amazon, Warner Brothers, uh, after broadcast rights. Now, also included in that was Discovery, Inc., uh, so... Uh, again, they're talking about a summer bridge at the end of the season when football is starting up and and over the Labor Day weekend. Uh, it gives them a chance to, like you said, Jay, uh, kind of get their feet wet because keep in mind uh, that part of this broadcast schedule with these other uh, organizations like Amazon, Warner Brothers, and Discovery, Inc., uh, is those races are going to be broadcast uh, with the help of NASCAR Productions. And we've talked about the possibility of this leading maybe toward NASCAR Productions having their own streaming service. Uh, and so this would be kind of a foray into that possibility. Again, we don't know that that's something that's going to happen. It's simply pure speculation. Uh, but certainly this gives them the opportunity to get their feet wet with that, find out how it would work, uh, and kind of work out the bugs, if you will, uh, during that end-of-summer run uh, that they're talking about uh, for six races for that summer bridge. So I – and let's face it, NASCAR has always had to run up against the competition of uh, the football and that's always been something that NASCAR has looked to try to address. So I, <clears throat> I, I think this is a good way to do it. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see w- when that happens. Uh, I'm thinking that they're talking about uh, for 2025, uh, but could this happen as soon as 2024? I'm not sure. 
Andy, what are your thoughts? Well, I certainly would welcome in and, and look forward to new partners um, coming into broadcast races. I think that it's healthy for that to take place occasionally. Um, you know, certainly thinking back over the years when the new big TV deal came to came to be in 2001 with um, Boston NBC. That was a big deal um, to bring you know those networks in to cover the sport. And obviously ESPN rejoining, um, you know, we've had TNT cover the Cup Series over the years. And, and I apologize when I meant when uh, Turner is a subsidiary, I think, of Warner Brothers, and it was via their TNT brand uh, under Turner Networking, I think, that most recently covered the sport for Warner Brothers. So I did misspeak there. But, um, you know, obviously had you know numerous broadcast partners over the years, but I think that changing things up occasionally helps keep things fresh. And it also, I think, uh, helps to provide quality broadcasting. Um, my current qualm, and you probably see it with every ARCA and truck broadcast in the second half of the year on the race thread, is that they are broadcasting those races from the studio. And I guess my frustration with that is it, it looks like the cheap way out, you know, and I guess, my feeling is if Fox wants to put in the effort and broadcast the races, that's great, but put in the effort and do it right. You know, if you, if you want to cite budget cuts or economics as the reason for not doing it, then then don't do it at all. You know, put in, if you're going to put in the effort, put in the full effort and do it. So I guess my point is with this, that, you know, by changing broadcast partners and maybe bringing in new entities, you know, from time to time um, helps bring in, I think, some new perspectives, um, new ideas in, in quality broadcasting, people that are willing to put in potentially, you know, a solid effort and do a good job bringing the race into the viewers. And, and on the flip side of that, I feel like NBC recently has, has been doing a really good job with their broadcasts. It's noticeable to me how good a job they've been doing this year with their Xfinity and Cup broadcasts. You know, and that's the kind of content fans like myself want to see. So um, I'm intrigued and looking forward to seeing, you know, who gets announced. I I look forward to the CW covering the Xfinity series. Um, Haven't heard any details about that yet. But, again, that's a new entity coming in to broadcast NASCAR racing. And I'm hopeful that, you know, that's going to be a quality production for us to enjoy. So I'm looking forward to this and and certainly – um, interested to see who comes in and covers at least a small chunk of uh, the Cup Series or, or possibly even more. Okay, you bring up a good point, uh, uh, Andy, and I agree with you. I do think that uh, uh, they need to make sure uh, if they bring Fox in that maybe they take a look at, at ways that they can improve their broadcast. Uh, and uh, you know, some people like it, and I guess that's okay, and maybe we'll, we just have to suffer through a half a season with Fox and, and then look forward to the next half of the season with NBC. Uh, I know that some people do like that broadcast, and, and I don't mean to put anybody down for that. I just wish they would look for ways that they can improve it uh, for those of us that are a little bit annoyed by what we see on Fox. But um, – 
or don't see on Fox, for that matter. And sometimes I feel like they do miss some vital information of uh, things that are happening during the race. Uh, so I, that's one area that they, they absolutely must improve as far as I'm concerned. Um, but um, uh, I do like that NASCAR is looking at these other opportunities and other ways of um, taking control of their broadcast of their content, and uh, I, I uh, applaud them for that. I'm trying to see here if I can find out what year this is. They're talking about this happening, and um, I, I'm not really finding that information. So I apologize for not having that available. Okay, Andy, you get the final word here. Um. Yeah, uh, I guess my follow-up would be, um, you know, kind of going off what you already talked about with Fox. I think, honestly, their their cut broadcast isn't isn't too bad. I don't think, you know, they're they're actually at the racetrack and they do a fairly good job. There's always going to be room for improvement for sure. I think my biggest thing is, you know, trying to do these ARCA and truck broadcasts second half of the year in the studio. That to me is not that professional, you know, I think that when you're actually at the racetrack and you can interact with crew members and you can interact with drivers and you can physically look out the window at the racetrack, I think that it, it helps bring um, some validity to the broadcast. I think, you know, I hate to say this, but anybody can look at a TV monitor and, and say what's going on on the racetrack, you know, and it, so I don't know. It's just personal pet peeve of mine, I guess, but um, that being said, I think that at the core of it, if you can, you know, bring in different partners and, and new broadcast teams over the course of time, I think it keeps things fresh. And I think that it um, helps bring, you know, quality content, because if you're a new partner coming in to cover the sport, you're excited about it. You want to come in and do a good job and you want to put forth a good effort. And, um, you know, I think that that's hopefully what we will see with with new broadcast partners and you know it, it in you know anytime that you can also you know change up the broadcast teams and maybe bring in some new driver analysts or, or new crew chiefs uh play-by-play team members you know that that helps keeps it fresh too so i don't know i think that it's something to be positive about and look forward to and hopefully whoever comes in um or the existing entities that remain um put forth a good effort and give us you know something decent to to enjoy Okay, I'm going to backtrack myself here because I think I got so um, into what Andy was saying, I totally skipped Jay. <laughs> so, Jay, we'll let you have the last word here. But before we do that, I do want to say the contract ends at the end of the 2024 season. So all of this would be for the 2025 season. So, Jay, you get the last word here. <laughs> Well, I, f- I felt like maybe I got skipped there because I have the differing opinion, and I know that amongst this I group, I know Mike's not that, here. But seriously. No, I don't. I don't. Um, I know Mike's not here, but he got represented. I know there's some feelings about the way Fox covers theirs, and, and I understand. Uh, you know, Andy brought up a good point. If you have somebody with feet on the ground at the track, you can talk directly to a crew chief, a crew member, or whatever, and get that. But I, I also see the other side of it, or one other side of it I see. I'm not the one paying the bill. I, I mean, especially when you talk about in the event you have a delay, you're talking about the cost to put people up in hotels and whatever and cover another day. A lot of them with Fox also do stuff for Fox Broadcasting on Mondays uh, with Race Hub or MRN if they're there with them. So 
there's a cost to it. And, and I just, me personally, I guess I, I just, I don't get wrapped up in that. Are there some things I prefer that NBC does or Fox does or this or that? Absolutely. And I understand what's being said of some of the things that people that are saying they're missing or don't like. Um, It's tough to please everybody. I think a huge part of it is that cost saving, uh, you know, um, and I've heard the argument of, well, when it comes to football, they have reporters on ground, their pre-race show is uh, at the field, uh, you know, wherever they're at. So I I understand that argument. Um, One of the things though, that I look at of Sharon, you talked about the contract ending in 2024 and this is going into 2025. I think we may see a little bit more of that uh, dipping into the water we talked about with the streaming come in 2024. Again, just to get a test, a feel, uh, work out the bugs, as you said, if, if you're doing your own broadcast. So I think we might see some of that in 2024, regardless of how the contract situations are going. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I think we're, you know, there again, it's the direction we're moving. And that was something I kind of then tied back. If we're going to the streaming platform, that's the technology and way we are in this world today. Well, give that benefit to Fox. This is the way we are. We can do it from the studio. I, I think about race teams when they lose their crew chief. Well, they're running it from the war room back in Charlotte anyway. That capability and technology exists today, and that's just kind of the direction it's going. Oh, Okay. Uh, Jay, you're also up for the next hot topic. So what's that going to be? Well, this one, uh, man, it, it pains me. I know we talked about it a little bit during our preview, and I think everybody kind of chimed in on it. GMS Racing has announced they're going to shut down their truck series operation at the end of 2023. And that's three full-time truck series um, entries one of which is again running for the championship this year, right now, um, just not going to be there next year. Okay, Andy, your thoughts about GMS racing? Yeah, I mean, it's never it's never a good thing when a race team announces that it's seizing operations, um, you know, and especially a team like GMS Racing that has been very successful uh, in the course of its time in the ARCA series and the truck series over the last several years and have even won some Xfinity series races too. So, um, yeah, it's, it's disappointing to see this. And, and like Jay said, you know, Grant Enfinger is a winning truck series driver that's in the playoffs. Um, you know, when they have to try to focus, you know, on winning a championship, you know, all the while facing the uncertainty of what 2024 will bring and, you know, and that also includes Raja Karuth and, and Daniel Dye, who um, Daniel's case, I, I did see that he said he signed with somebody for next year. That's not been announced yet, but he did say that he has a deal done in place. But, you know, and you hope the same can be done for Raja. He's an up-and-coming driver that has had flashes of, of success this year, and I think that will continue. Um, so you hate to see it, and then you, on the other side of it, too, you think of, you know, all the crew members and everybody behind the scenes that now will be looking for work next year. So it's it's diff, always difficult and, and disappointing when these situations happen. Um, you know, and it's, I guess you can look at it and, you know, and try to understand why they make these decisions. 
but ultimately it's it's business right that's what racing is you know for these team owners and and when you consider Maury Gallagher's involvement with Legacy Motor Club um you know, you have to think that maybe his motorsports focus, he, he wants shifted 100% to the cup team um, versus also trying to run the truck series operation and GMS fabrication, um, which provided fabrication services to many, I think, truck teams. And, and they're going out of business, too, coincidentally with the truck operation. That's all going away. So, um yeah, obviously, you know, I, I really don't really hard to say why you know, this happened, but, you know, I guess, you know, like I said, probably focusing on the cup team or whatever the case may be. Also, we have to look at the, the manufacturer change um, to Toyota for the, for the cup operation. Um, I'm not sure how feasible it would have been um, for GMS to continue as a separate entity with, with Chevrolet. Um, and I say that because, you know, you would think that, that if they were going to continue, that they too would change to Toyota. But, you know, maybe Toyota couldn't put together a deal for them to have any kind of support um, with a truck operation next year. And maybe that plays into it too. So I don't know a lot of reasons why this may or may not have happened. But ultimately, I guess, as disappointing and as sad as it may be, uh, I think we have to look back and appreciate what GMS Racing has done. Uh, for you know several years with um, all the wins they've had helping drivers move on and be successful um, moving up the NASCAR ladder so a lot to be appreciative of they've done a lot for the sport and um, I think it's safe to say that a team like GMS will be missed they've certainly uh, made their mark on the truck series okay yeah I agree I think uh, it's it's kind of sad to see GMS uh, ceasing their operations I know uh, Mike's uh, comment, I'll represent him here briefly. Uh, he said, disappointing but not surprising. They were kind of adrift with the LMC swap to take Toyota, and I do think that that has a lot to do with it. Uh, you would hope that maybe GMS might switch over to Toyota, but then you've got to consider exactly what Andy was talking about, and that is that Moore Gallagher was split between his race team operation, the fabrication shop, and what he's doing over at uh, Legacy Motor Club. So uh, it makes sense that they would do this. Uh, As sad as it is for all of us to see it and for Grant Infinger, my heart goes out to him. I hope he starts his own race team (laughs) because uh, I want to see – Grant Infinger uh, continue to compete. He's a great race car driver. Uh, it seems like he's always getting a shaft, one not necessarily intended shaft, but he always seems to be getting the shaft. And I want to see him start his own race team so that he can kind of stand up for himself and uh, get his due diligence. Um, I uh, understand why they're doing it. Uh, but it's still disappointing, I think, is the best way to put it. And uh, I think we'll miss GMS racing in the truck series. Uh, hopefully at some point in time they can make that return. I, I doubt if that happens, but uh, I, I can just say I feel like we're, we're they're going to leave a hole within that series. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, you, you said it right there, the hole that it's going to leave. Uh, you know, anytime a team shuts down or we see somebody depart the sport, it's sad. 
to me, this one goes beyond that. I think this is a huge blow as far as the truck series when it comes to the caliber team that GMS Racing has been and provided for that series. Uh, I'm encouraged by what Andy said, though, that he's heard that Daniel Dye has already found something or has it at least solid in the groundwork. Uh, Rajah Karuth, uh, we've seen him make some Xfinity Series starts and have a lot of different partnerships and doors open to him and had a little bit better season than Daniel Dye. So I don't see him having an issue getting the ride. Um, Grant Enfinger, uh, Sharon talked about it, you're right. He always seems to be at the tail end of a deal, and it just doesn't seem to pan out when he thinks he's got a stable setting uh, in front of him. It seems to turn out this way. We've seen that with a couple of drivers, and it's not of their doing. Um, so personally, right now, I'm looking for him to go out and win the championship and uh, bring that to his resume to help him get a ride next year. The drawback on his side is coming towards the twilight of his career, kind of saw that with Johnny Sauter, and then they just don't fit in somewhere um, as the youth movement comes in. So hopefully we don't see that with Grant Infinger until he's ready to hang it up. The one positive I will also try and take, when a team like this, a GMS Racing, exit, it does open the door for other and new organizations to come in and or grow. So I'm going to try and keep that on the positive side and look at that. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously with difficult news like this is we have to, you know, hope that, that um, you know, everyone can move on and, and find something else to do. I think that, um, you know, all the crew guys, you know, everyone working on that team, um, given, you know, the success of that organization has proven themselves worthy of another job within the sport. Um, so hopefully they'll land on their feet somewhere. And then specifically with the drivers, um, uh, when the announcement came out, Daniel Dye, um, he had posted, you know, his thanks to GMS Racing, but had said that he had signed a deal with a top caliber team for 2024, but they didn't announce the details of it. So he does have something, thankfully. And then, you know, you have to think that, you know, Raja, and also given the success of Grant Enfinger and what he's done, he'll be able to find something too. And I think Sharon brings up a good point. Just start your own team at this point. It's one way to, I guess, get job security if you're, if you're Grant. And it, and it, it, that kind of boggles my mind to some degree too, because he has sponsorship from, um, you know, champion power equipment, and that has to count for something. So I'm sure he'll find a ride somewhere, and I'm I'm hopeful it's a good one uh, because he deserves that opportunity. So um, that everyone can move on and have continued success. But obviously, to Jay's point, it does leave a huge hole in the truck series, I think, uh, for putting uh, quality trucks on the track each week. Yeah, I think we've done a really good job of covering this. So I'm going to – uh, I don't really have anything to add, so I'm going to just uh, let Jay have the last word here. Well, I, and I think this was kind of touched upon. I think the key element, and we've seen it with Kyle Busch Motorsports as well as now possibly Denny Hamlin when it comes to his own race team, that the the key element was involvement of a secondary team, whether it be another cup team, a truck series team, or whatever that Toyota just wasn't in a position to provide that for GMS racing um, when it comes to them switching from Chevrolet to GMS. Uh, they put their efforts into Tricon Garage, 
as a replacement for Kyle Busch Motorsports when they left, and they're just not in a position, from what I can understand and see, um, to do that for another team. Now, whether or not they're replacements or whoever fills that hole we talked about can still get support from Toyota as a manufacturer, maybe not to the same level, don't know. Um, I, like I said, I just it's very unfortunate because I think it is a huge hit. But as I said, to try and stay positive and see what uh, other possibilities now come out of it um, to fill that gap, um, other teams that step up. And then, as we mentioned, these, these drivers and teams, crew members as well. Uh, you know, I don't know how many uh, employees each truck, uh, truck team has or GMS has. I know the fab- fabrication, as Andy alluded to, uh, that's a huge hit, I think, for a lot of teams. I know there's other sources available, but that's one of those that's been very stable and a big contributor to the truck series. I just uh, don't want to see it hurt the series as a whole. Okay. Um, we'll let that be the last word on that. Uh, now, just real quick, I, I will do one round on this one, I think. Trevor Bain uh, is in for three races for J- Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, what are your thoughts about him replacing Ty Gibbs uh, in that uh, number, in that uh, Joe Gibbs Racing machine for the Xfinity Series? Uh, Andy, we'll start with you. Yeah, actually, this is going to be my quick last topic uh, for the show, so that's a good one. Um, happy for him. I think that he did a really good job when he raced part-time for Joe Gibbs Racing. I think it was either last year or the year before. I can't remember. Um, in fact, I had hoped that that would have led to you know a bigger deal uh, for this season, and it didn't come to fruition. So I'm incredibly excited to see him. Uh, come in and run through Xfinity Series races. I think that he's done a, a really good job as a uh, driver commentator for the Fox broadcast that he does, as well as his contributions to Race Hub. So um, it'll be good to see him on the racetrack. I find it a little bit perplexing um, that Ty Gibbs was taken out of the car. Uh, I believe he was supposed to drive it at Daytona Friday night, and that changed somewhat last minute. But I have to think that it's due to um, his Cup Series focus maybe on, on concentrating on the playoffs. If I were to speculate, that's what I would guess. Um, but regardless, happy for Trevor. I think that he's a good choice to put in the car and come in and not only run well, but compete for wins. And I think he'll do a good job. Okay, Jay. Yeah, absolutely. Great opportunity for uh, Trevor Bain. Uh, I'm with Andy. Sad that I didn't see this come a little bit earlier, a little bit of an expanded schedule based on how he did run in his starts last year. Uh, I know they said these are races that um, were not on his schedule last year. I, I don't know if it's then Joe Gibbs Racing looking to improve their program for, on those particular tracks. I know it was alluded to uh, both with the, under the announcement that maybe it was the focus of Ty Gibbs on the Cup Series when it comes to the playoffs, but unless he wins at Daytona, I fully understand coming out of the car for Daytona, the risk of a Friday night Xfinity Series race at Daytona, going into a must-win possible point situation come Saturday for the Cup Series. But after that, if he's in, yeah, he needs to focus on the playoffs, but if he's out, well, that's just more experience. So kind of a twofold thing there of a not sure, but that's what makes me think it might be a little bit more of – that the program wants to look at Trevor Bain to start with 
again, hopefully we do see him get back to a little bit more racing than just two or three races per year. But also the races that it's going to be being that uh, Trevor Bain hasn't run at those particular racetracks, that it might be more of the program for Joe Gibbs racing. So we'll have to wait and see, but I'm certainly happy for Trevor Bain, and I think he's deserving of the opportunity. Yeah, you guys bring up uh, some great points here. I do think that they want to take Ty Gibbs out of that car so that he can focus on the playoffs. Regardless of whether he makes it or not into the playoffs, he's still going to be wanting to try to get the very best possible position uh, that he can get uh, for the standings at the end of that. And maybe they're um, looking at that as well. So I do think that it makes sense that they're putting Trevor Bain in that car. Uh, Trevor Bain uh, is a great – I I, I think he does a really good job uh, as a broadcaster. Uh, But I think Trevor Bain has the itch. I think he wants to be behind the wheel of the car and gives him that opportunity to do that. I would not be opposed if it leads to him racing in that car uh, full-time next season. Uh, I think it would be really good to have Trevor Bain uh, behind the wheel of that number 19. Uh, I know Brandon Jones uh, did not do as well as one would hope in that number 19 car uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing, and I think Trevor Bain uh, could be the right guy to get in that car and maybe help improve that program. Uh, But um, we'll see what happens uh, after the three races uh, in the number 19 for Trevor Bain. Uh, but I think it would be great if he were to race full-time next season. Andy, what are your – well, we we're just going to do the one round here. So let's go ahead and do the sign-off. Uh, Andy, we'll go to you for that. Uh, CB14 fan uh, on Twitter, and uh, it's always good to be on the show. Uh, always fun and enjoyable, and um, – I believe I'll be on Monday. Uh, Sharon, will that be a live show at night or run earlier in the day? Well, um, it depends on Jay. Jay, are you available uh, Monday night? Uh, Yeah, either way. I I know originally you had set it for a podcast on Monday, um, but either way, if we we do it during the day or the evening, uh, no difference to me. Okay. The only reason I ask that is because um, I know that um, sometimes the material isn't always available for the time that we do it at, so we might be running the risk of that if we do the podcast. So I haven't really decided yet. What works best for you, Andy? Um, I should be able to do either one. I think that the nighttime is a sure thing uh, for Monday, and I should be back home, I think, sometime around midday on um, on Monday. So I'm thinking I should be able to do either one, but um, I would say that Monday night is, is 100% at this point. Okay. Okay. Um, I know that, uh, Jay, the other thing is uh, Sal has told me that he's not going to be available for the Tuesday after Labor Day. So I was thinking maybe Tuesday we could do the podcast uh, for the review show, if you're available. Uh, that one, I'll have to get back to you on, because I'll be in Tennessee covering a county fair uh, Labor Day weekend. 
So, yeah, the podcast during the day would be preferable on that one, but I'll have to get back to you with some details on that. Okay. And, Andy, that's something to keep in mind then, too. If Jay's not available, would you be available for a podcast on Tuesday, uh, the day after Labor Day? So uh, I should be. I am off that week, so that should be that should be okay. 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 So we'll keep all of that in mind. Uh, stay tuned. We'll let you know about Monday. And uh, uh, I appreciate you guys for being available to do the podcast here today and uh, our Hot Topic segment as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to this week's races. I think we've made that perfectly clear uh, from all three of us for this weekend. And uh, definitely looking forward to uh, uh, what's coming up. Jay, uh, you want to do a sign-off here as well? All right. You can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, certainly going to be keeping up with the racing, but I will be at the racetrack at your Capital City Raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway, for one more week of weekly racing before Labor Day weekend's All-American 60, which is a two-day show Friday and Saturday, which includes the Comp Cam Super Late Models. So, again, I like I said, I'm going to have a visit, very busy Labor Day weekend as then I'll travel to Tennessee for a county fair. Oh, okay. Sounds like fun. Okay, uh, special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. We do appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio on our website as well as Facebook. And, um, uh, again, we're looking forward to the weekend of racing. And with that, I guess we're ready to call it a day uh, here on Fan for Racing Radio. All right, enjoy the weekend. Absolutely. It's going to be a wild one. (laughs) Enjoy your race weekend, everybody. We'll see you on the other side. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.